Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Here we go. Do you really want the truth? Do you have questions you can't ask in church? Welcome to the Oh My God Report. Wendy Arthur is more concerned with truth than propaganda, putting more value in scripture than religion, and more about you and your relationship with God than your membership in any church. This is Christianity with a Kick. Good morning, Wendy. Welcome to The Late Show. (laughs) Well, at least we're on. (laughs) Exactly. See, you, you know, like you say, what, what do you think? You know, I mean, count our blessings. We're not going to relate. Of course, Bill, <laughs> ironically, Bill had to cancel anyway. So we're not actually uh, uh, doing that badly, all things considered. It's just kind of funny, though. Uh, the power went out uh, about an hour ago. And it went, I've got to get one of those little uh, UPS, you know, universal power things so that uh, we don't have a problem. I don't know how long they last. I don't know if they would last for an entire show, but uh, that's one of those many things I'll be doing uh, when I get sponsors. So all you conservative sponsors out there, Patriot sponsors, you know, all you uh, good Christians, you know, Action Radio is here <laughs> waiting for your generosity um, if, you, if you like what we do here. And hopefully you will. Anyway, Wendy and I were joking uh, a little bit ago because my first thing, my phone works. And, uh, I, you know, when the power is out, what do you do? Well, you know, you clean up the place, <laughs> you get your dishes done, you do all kinds of stuff, you know, and, uh, and away you go. So, so I, I told Wendy, I said, uh, what, what is that saying? When, when the going gets tough, the tough do dishes? Yes. Yes, okay. you did say that. <laughs> and then we had, the, the, <laughs> well, these are the things that come to me. This is, this is the ADHD brain uh, and, and my rather, you know, bizarre, uh, I don't know what goes on in my head, but uh, whatever it is, you're going to hear it because that's why I got a radio show. But um, we, were, we were discussing the, uh, the, the various uh, possibilities of either Dan Aykroyd or John Belushi uttering these great lines. And I contend it was John Belushi in Animal House during that scene right before the toga party where they go, toga, toga. And he's on a roll. He said, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor, you know, uh, when the going gets tough. And then he thought for a minute. Pause, dramatic pause. But tough, get going. He actually said it right. It just had a dramatic pause in the middle. I prefer my vision. Vision, version. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Wait, I'm not ready for the show yet. I've been sitting around in the dark for an hour. What do you want? <laughs> yeah. I know, just, just waiting, just waiting. <laughs> exactly. What do you do? I said, what would Thomas Jefferson do? He had candlelight and a quill pen. I said, you know, they couldn't reach a lot of people then, so I, I should be uh, eternally grateful for the fact when we are on. So let me just say I'm eternally grateful for the fact that we are on. So we're back. And all those folks that uh, didn't check my Facebook page, as I tell everybody, if I'm not on the air, go to my Facebook page and you'll find out what's going on because my phone still works. So I was able to communicate uh, before then. Anyway, so we should, um, you know, what we've never done. We've never talked about the, the, the creation. When we talk about creation uh, and God's creation, we never talked about electricity. You want to do that next week? Uh, well, I'll ask God and see what he wants to talk about next week. But you know. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's fine. If he's open to that, I am, you know. But, well, why don't we um, ask God right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, right now? Because I tell you what, you know, tornadoes are, are no joke. Yep. <laughs> Hello? Oh, wait a minute. There we go. Hang on, Wendy. Yes? Okay. Next week, maybe. You'll see. You'll get in touch with Wendy. Okay, fine. God's too busy right now. He just says he'll, <laughs> he'll, he'll let you know later. 
I love that you've got the, the red line. <laughs> hey, look, we got the world's only show with a phone line to God. I mean, what more do you want? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad God has a sense of humor. I was just going to say that. But, I'm really glad God has a sense yeah. of humor. And we've talked about that, too. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – Yes, we it's, have. It's, Talk, talk about a blessing. If he didn't have a sense of humor, he'd be really pissed at me right now. But uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, fortunately, we don't have to worry about that. But uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, but that, I think that'd be a fascinating topic. I mean, we talk about a lot of things. I don't think anybody's ever, ever covered that. It's like, well, it's, you know, if, if the universe is some colossal accident, how do we get electricity and fire? Answer those questions. Yeah. yeah so well, anyway, what were you going to We what, know what, it's what not a colossal accident. It was... <laughs> Well, that's what I mean. Planned out, but this, yeah, no, yeah. I know. That's what I'm, but, that's and, what I'm saying. I, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I did want to let our listeners know that, you know, it was tornadoes and storms and all that kind of stuff that, that kind of took the, the power out this morning, and, and that's why um, the show was delayed. So it's not oh, because, you, you know, you, you weren't trying. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep in. I wasn't on a binge last no. night. You know, I, I, I didn't stagger home drunk. No, <laughs> the power was out. I was wide awake yeah. at 430. Uh, my usual, you know, but that's okay. Thanks, Wendy, for clarifying to my audience. <laughs> it wasn't my <laughs> fault. Thanks, Wendy. No. This is the support I get around here. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I can count on my on yeah, my, Just another uh, free service I provide. Okay. That's <laughs> Wendy. It's amazing. It's amazing what, uh, what uh, you know, the things we talk about. You know, and it's interesting. I've, I've, been, I've been doing some compiling of some shows. And if you're, you know, if you ever want to have some fun for your family, just get all the links to all the shows that you've been on. And just, uh, you know, torture them with that and say, here, <laughs> this is me. <laughs> Put this in the family album, you well, know, in the family records. But, yeah. Well, and, and funny that you should be mentioning family because that's what um, I believe God's put on my heart this morning is is to explain and let people know that um, it's not just about ruling the universe. That God really wants family that's that's what this is all about is is bringing people in to be family and i was reading in ephesians this week and <clears throat> several other places but um ephesians chapter two was talking about um how there was such a, a division between uh the jews and the gentiles and in that and for people who don't um know the historical context i'll just kind of give you a background that when when God created Israel, and if, if anybody wonders why Israel is so pivotal and so important, and it's the little dinky, tiny Israel in all these big, surrounded by all these big countries, and everybody's always trying to take Israel out, and they never succeed. And there is a reason for that. It's because they God calls them the apple of his eye. He created them first. He created them to be his family, um, and... Everything surrounds is is that surrounds Israel um, is extremely important to God. And He says, "Those who curse Israel, He will curse; those who bless Israel, He blesses." So, um, just keep that in mind because that has not changed. That is an, an eternal law of God that He will not change about Israel. He loves them, and even though they rejected Jesus as Messiah. There's going to come a time when, when they do accept Jesus as Messiah. So he's not given up on them, but when they did reject Jesus as their Messiah, that's when the door opened to the Gentiles. And, and that means anybody who is not Israelite or, or Jewish, of Jewish descent. There are some people who call themselves Jews that are not Israelites. That's not what he's talking about. 
Okay. So yeah, I was wondering um, about that, that split. If 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 uh, if the Jews are the chosen people, why did they not choose Jesus as the Messiah? That's always been an interesting question. Well, because of the customs of the day, and the, and the minds of the Pharisees, which was religion. Because everything back in that day, if if you had money, you were blessed. God obviously blessed you, and you were more special than anybody who was who didn't have money. I mean that okay. that was their mindset. And which is religion still today. Okay. Hmm. If if you're having Money a hard time, good. something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, that that something is wrong and God's punishing you and you know, you are not one of his favorite, you know, children if you're struggling. Okay. All that's religion and it's bunk, it smells like smoke. Okay? And and it's from the pit of hell. So just just let let your mind expand a little bit if that's been your mindset, if that's what you've been taught in church, that, you know, if you're poor, somehow you're more spiritual. Um, no, bunk. So you cannot help others if you're poor. And God says that we are in Ephesians, again, not in chapter 2, but later on it says that mm-hmm. we are to have money enough to take care of our household and those in need and to provide for our grandchildren and children. So that doesn't sound like somebody poor to me. So, you know, you, yeah. you have money as a tool to help those in need and to, to further the things that people are trying to do for the kingdom. So it's not sinful to have money, people. The love of money is a sin. Having money as a tool to further the kingdom is not. So just throwing that out there because that's just a, a basic truth. Um, so, yeah, people say money is the root of all, all evil. That's it. one of those distortions by those that want to distort everything. Uh, it's uh, that's a yeah. problem too. Yeah. So, what's the origin of the of the yeah, uh, of the of the, of the saying that the love of money is the root of all evil? Where's that the love from? of money is the root of all evil? Right. Um, yeah. Hold that's on that. here. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you exactly where that is. I, I thought it was Shakespeare originally, but I, I, I guess I'm wrong. Maybe it was in a Shakespeare play somewhere. No. Okay. It's, it's well, scripture. it may be in this. Actually, um, Shakespeare quoted scripture a lot. <laughs> um, okay, it's, well, that's probably where I heard it. Uh-huh. Yeah, First Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So if, if you're loving money and you're living for that and that's how you define yourself, you're going to have a lot of sorrows with that. So just saying. Well, actually, that's really interesting because um, so, the billionaires aren't necessarily any happier, but uh, there's people with, uh, you know, with a few toys like I want to get, uh, and I'm going to be ecstatically happy, but I'm happy now. <laughs> I'm dirt poor. Yes. And I don't care. Yes. I've got a radio show. Yes. I've got you I'm talking to. I've got these amazing people around me. I couldn't be richer. Oh, yeah, I could have more money, but I couldn't be richer. Does that make sense? Exactly. Think, uh, people, people should exactly. make that distinction. Yeah. And okay. That's perfectly said so because yeah yeah because if if you have a lot of money you you just have a different set of of worries than people who don't you know so Mm -hmm. um anyway and i love the problem i I, I would i would try to manage my worries if i had you know a jet i had to take care of i would do that i mean i'm I'm willing to make that sacrifice teasing you (laughs) i do it with such a straight voice when he doesn't always know what i'm teasing (laughs) which is part of the fun well, just, you know, I love the proverb that says, and because Proverbs is a very practical book. It's a, they call it the book of wisdom. It says uh-huh. poor people don't have to worry about being kidnapped for ransom. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about the things. Yeah, so stop worrying about the things you don't have, people. <laughs> you know, you don't have to take care That's of That's right. 
Yeah, exactly. That's right. So getting back to the family thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So here's here's the thing that um, originally originally salvation was just for uh, the Israelites. Um, And he wanted to bless them and make them, you know, a a great nation and all these things. And um, and when they did not accept Jesus as Messiah because he came too lowly in their mindset. He could not possibly be the son of God because he was born in a manger. He did not come with pomp and circumstance. He did not come, you know, born in a palace. Um, All these things that they equated to greatness. Hmm. And obviously, if you're the son of God, you would come in this wonderful, great, fabulous way, not humbly born in a manger because, you know, everybody was in town for the census and there were no more hotel rooms, so they had to go to the, the stable. So, um, you know, people demonize the innkeeper. You know, there was no room at the inn. Well, it's because everybody had to go there for the census, need to be counted. And, you know, when you're traveling, you know, for miles and miles, for days, literally, on the back of a donkey with a pregnant woman, you don't go at breakneck speed, you know. <laughs> you get there when yeah. you get there. So, <laughs> yep. And, and listen, and if you're, would, you know, uh, the difference between a starving person, you know, looking at a meal and, uh, and someone who just had seven courses and, you know, it's all, it's your attitude, you know, so it's, it's a big difference. You appreciate, you know, you appreciate being under a, under a, a porch roof, you know, after you've been rained on for half an hour, as opposed to, you know, it, just, just, you know, it's just, it's all, it's all in your situation. It's all in your condition. And, you know, that's right. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. the, the innkeeper did not want to give them a room. He just didn't have any left. Uh-huh. So that's why. They, he says, but you can stay in in the stable, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, at least she had a roof over her head, and the baby mm-hmm. was born with walls around it, you know. So, uh, it, it's just people just need to understand. You know, everybody's always trying to make somebody out to be the bad guy, and mm-hmm. I just just want to let you know that that was not the case for the innkeeper. So, um, but being born into the family is is really really important, and so when Israel rejected Messiah because he didn't come in a way they thought would be worthy of a king um, or to be the son of God. Um, that's when Jesus said, okay, then I'll open up the door to family to the Gentiles. And we, you know, who were non-Jewish said, well, tell me about this because basically we were all idol worshipers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because if we couldn't have the one true God, then you make up your own God. And, you know, they carved them out of wood and gold and silver and all kinds of stuff, stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that opened up a whole nother thing where, you know, that's when God says, you shall not have another God before me. You know, I, I don't do idols. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you exactly. got the T-shirt that says I don't do idols. Yep. You know? <laughs> Whether it's American Idol or, or UK's Got Talent, no idols. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's just kind of important to understand that the whole reason everything was opened up is so that God could have family. He doesn't want Muslim children, Catholic children, Baptist children, he Jewish children, Christians. He wants children. He yeah. wants his family. And that's what Jesus did on the cross, is it was the great reconciliation that made everybody one. It's, that's why they say you know, the cross is the great equalizer. You know, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or, you know, some nationality other than another one. It doesn't, your skin color, it doesn't matter. The point is you're either a child of God or you're not. 
that's mm-hmm. where you have to draw the line. So it's, it's important to be in God's family because there are so many benefits to a, having a loving father. And so many of the people who grew up without a father in the home or when the father was there, he was not loving, um, very uh-huh. harsh and, and <laughs> unforgiving and, and narcissistic or you know, selfish or whatever. Um, it, you, you I'll need check out the boxes later. A, a, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, I do, You need yeah. to see the example of a good father and what yeah. that means. And, you know, for those of us who didn't grow up with a good father figure, um, it's really hard for us to relate to God as a good father because we don't look at fathers as good things. So, well, see, now my situation, um, yeah, just, so, to, so, just to jump in here for a second, uh, because, you know, mine was not the greatest, uh, and I don't fault him for what he couldn't do. I, I fault him for what he knew he could do and didn't. Um, and so what I did was I found friends, fathers, and had chats with them, and they, they recognized immediately, you know, that I was curious about, you know, manhood. And a lot of, of my friends' fathers talked to me. And they were wonderful. And so, you know, just because your situation isn't perfect or ideal doesn't mean you can't reach out to other people. And those people will reach out to you if you, if you ask. It's amazing what, uh, what folks will do and, and take a little time with you. And so my friends' fathers were invaluable to me growing up. So, yeah, That's so awesome. I have a concept. Of, yeah, oh, yeah, so I have a great concept of fatherhood. I just, you know, I just wish we were a little closer to home. That's all. But, uh, you know, you, you get what you get and, and make the best of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so you can't reach out, so though. The, so I understand reaching out to God yeah, in the you, same way uh, as reaching yeah. out as, as a father. Yeah. And it works, folks. It works. It does. It does. Mm-hmm. So, um, as, as, and, and we're coming into the holidays now. Um, and it can be, yeah, everybody talks about how, what a lovely, wonderful time of year this is. And it really is. But mm-hmm. for those without family, for those who don't have close relationships, it can be a, a I mean, a, such a weight, a, the loneliness, mm-hmm. the weight of the loneliness, the weight of feeling like you, man, you are some person out there just trying to survive on your own, and there is nobody around that can, you know, bring joy or um, encouragement to you. It is a hard time of year. And there are a lot of suicides during this time of year. So um, if you're in that boat, um, this is you, and you are having an extremely hard time emotionally um, with all of this, just know that you don't have to be in a church to call out to God. He hears you no matter where you are. He knows exactly where you are, and he's waiting to bring you into his family. So you don't have to go through life alone or burdened and stuff like that. So please call out to God and say, you know, show me who you are because I'm tired of hurting and I'm tired of being lonely and I'm tired of having to fight this world on my own. And, you know, heaven is great and it's icing on the cake to me. I hardly ever think about heaven because I know it's there Mm -hmm. and I know that's where I'm going. But Jesus is to help you get through this life, man. Okay, this is the battlefield down here. <laughs> Heaven sure is, is perfect. It's wonderful. It's glorious. It's, 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 we can't even beyond, you know, I mean, think about what's up there. It's just so glorious and different from here. Um, but it's Jesus is to help you get through here, and the Holy Spirit is to help you um, get through here and, and to comfort us in the hard times. So um, call out to him because he is there and just say, hey, look, you know, I want to be in the family. You know, adopt me into the family, 
and and the blood of Jesus covers me too. So I, I want that. Show me who you are. And he will do that because he wants you in the family. So I just, just want to put that out there because this is a really hard time of year for a lot of people. You know, it's interesting. I must be uh, one of the great aberrations out there because the, I have never felt lonely when I was on my own. And I, the only time I felt lonely was when I was, you know, with a family <laughs> you know, uh, that, that ultimately yeah. abandoned me, you know, both, uh, you know, both times. And so I find it fascinating when I hear this and I'm thinking, so why am I so different? What is it, you know, because I reach out to folks and like I say, I've built basically a family here at Action Radio. You know, we have some amazing people from all over the country and, and, uh, and occasionally international folks, you know, are dropping by. And it's just it's this amazing group of people that have come together, obviously got inspired, uh, as are the, the countless ideas I have, you know, coming out of my head. In fact, I had one today for a, a Christmas special for the January 6th folks in the Gulag. And I've talked to a couple of people about that already. And so, you know, so, <laughs> I know people that I'm in radio, uh, but I've never, I've never felt alone when I was alone. Uh, the only time I felt alone is when I was with a family that was supposed to act like a family and didn't. That's when I felt alone. Well, it's because you were wired. You know, every, God creates everybody differently. But right. you have taken what um, people are told is a bad thing, the ADHD. Um, uh-huh. But it, it, that in itself is a gift because you don't stay on one thing very long. You have an incredible <laughs> sense of, of adventure. You know, I'm saying, hey, I, I, I'm ADHD. My son was seriously. I think everybody ADHD. on the show is. I think that's almost a requirement for ADHD. Uh, it, All of us not have a wild brain. <laughs> What's that? Well, well, look, there, there's ADD and then there's ADHD, and there's a serious difference between the two. I, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I have some H. And it, and it, uh, they, yeah, big time, you know. Big time that, H, so did okay. my son, so did I. Um, okay. But, but, here, but attention deficit is, is, a, is a whole different story than the attention deficit with the incredible hyperactivity thrown in. So it's just different. Um, but Plus anyway, I say part of the ADHD network. <laughs> you know, you, you heard my yeah. promo, right? Let me play it yeah. for those that, uh, that, that haven't heard. So this is, I embrace ADHD, uh, and I make it work for me. But let me just yeah. play this just real quickly and here that's for, for Wendy. why. Hang on. And that's why. You, yeah, okay. Oh, hold on. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Yes, putting all my cliches in one convenient package. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to school to learn how to I do have that. no idea what you just said. Oh, 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 because oh, gotcha. oh, I said putting all my cliches in one convenient package. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, it's all my show I, I was it's expecting all there. the music to kick into Secret Agent Man at some point, but you know. Well, the, I call it my surf promo. <laughs> we have yeah. others too. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let's get back on topic. I'll play another one in a little bit. Okay. Well, so I was saying that, you know, it's when you have um, wow. your mind going in a million different directions at once, um, mm-hmm. you, you don't, you don't focus on just one and then just dwell on it to where it brings you down. It's oh, okay. just a fleeting thought, and, and you move on to the next thing, and everything's an adventure. You know what I'm saying? So I do. Everything because, is an adventure. It literally is. Yes, because everything starts with what if. Did you see my armadillo, video? What, yeah. you see my armadillo this, yeah. video? Wasn't that great? No. Yes, it was. It was so cute. Um but here's the thing, you know, if uh-huh. people don't, if you are not ADHD, you, you don't understand this, but um, there are a billion thoughts going through our heads at the same time, and they all start off with, what if? Yeah. What if I do this? What happens? It's, uh-huh. And you don't, you don't think it out to see what happens. You actually do it to see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just you know? so much more fun. It's like, why, why would you think yeah. about, you know, making a key lime pie and, as opposed to doing it? There's no reward for thinking about it. You've got to make it happen. That's what the adventure is. Well, I know, but, but it, it can also be dangerous. As, as, and I could tell you stories what think my son has done that would curl your toes because he oh. didn't think it through. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like flying off the rooftop or chemical experiments or he thought he was Einstein or something or what? Feel free to share, but you don't uh, have to. No, he, he literally jumped off the, on my two-story house um, oh. from the roof. With an umbrella? or I, what, what, I came home what? And, and saw him standing on top of the roof, on top of a six-foot ladder that he had somehow managed to, to wedge over the top of, of the gable. But in, we won't even talk about those things. Okay, but anyway, um, and, 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 and no, I will tell you that a riding lawnmower cannot survive um, a, a jump. I just want you to know that. Okay. So, uh, evil Kalanmoor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh. John Deere's an evil, but okay. Yes, yes. Deere's jump, but John Deere's don't. <laughs> yes, yes. Just, just letting you know. And it, and it takes three adults and a truck to, to remove it from being impaled upon tree branches, but that's a whole other story. Okay. Oh, they don't trim trees um, either, but... <laughs> Sorry, Wendy, I'm having too uh, much fun. Okay. Yeah, you, you, you just don't know. But anyway... <laughs> Um, is, so you don't have it in you to mm-hmm. sit there and dwell on something to get depressed. You know what I'm saying? But no. most people who are, who are not ADHD or ADD, um, they, they will have this thought come into their head that is not of God, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, because they, it, it attacks the soul. The soul is where your emotions are. And so these thoughts aim for your soul and your emotions to keep you in a state of funk and depression. And because if, as anybody who's dealt with depression knows, it literally immobilizes you if it gets Uh bad enough, where you don't do anything. And so that's just one way that Satan just, you know, sidelines people so that you cannot do anything good and you don't experience anything good. Because Uh if he can keep you dwelling on negative stuff, and, and get you into depression and it immobilizes you, then good, you're just out of the way. He can go, you know, for the next target. So, um, and, and he doesn't care who he takes out. You know, that's his, his whole goal. Scripture says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And if that, he'll destroy your joy. He'll steal your family. He'll, you know, steal any possibility of good things in your life and laugh about it. I mean, yeah, he's, he's not good. So, God Sounds says like Dr. Fascist. Like that. I think you've just described yeah, Dr. Fascist. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
For yeah, those well, who don't know, well, the show, says, you are your, your devil. The, yeah, you're, yeah, yeah you're, your father, the devil. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. you, you can tell who somebody is serving, you know, because you're, you don't have, there's no fence. We've talked about this before. You know, there is no sitting on the sidelines saying, well, I'll decide later. No, you're either for me or against me, God says. So yeah. you can either be in the family with the blessings um, or you can stay outside of it and, and, suffer whatever Satan wants to do with you. But, yeah, you know, and he'll promise you wonderful things. And you know what? Let's be honest. Sin is fun. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you Let's know, say Marxism, too. Is, if you're going to relate to the political world, I mean, Dr., you know, for those that don't know, we're talking about Anthony Fauci as Dr. Fascist. Uh, and, uh, yeah. but the idea, uh, and Marxism and, and the enemy have very, you know, they'll promise you everything and then take, ev- and then take everything. You know, they're very similar. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. I wonder if they are one and the well, same. Um, does Scripture talk about that at all? Yes, it is. Just just a different name. Okay. Yep. Interesting. I mean, I, just look at the mo. Yeah. If it isn't good, you know. If it's not helping you, if it's not helping other people, um, it's it's not of God. Yeah, that's that explains why Marxists the first thing they do is take out God, and then they get to family and country. But uh, God goes first. Exactly. Okay. Yes, he yeah, does. Makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Okay. Well, we got overtime. We got well, an open I mean, hour I now. Guess. So if you got a few more minutes, unless you have to go. Oh, well, yeah, I got a few more minutes, and then I do have to go get our okay. breakfast made. But you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but and I'll figure out what to do the rest of the show. I'm I kind can... of off track here. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, well, I, for those who. Um, are wanting to find some kind of um, purpose. I, I, I just want to, people waste a lot of time wondering what their purpose in life is. Um, and and you, they will spend years of their life just, you know, what is my purpose in life? Well, yeah, let me kind of simplify that for you. Um, our purpose is to have a close relationship with God, to know his heart, to know his thoughts, to know his ways, and to because he knows us intimately already because he made us. He created us literally, cell by cell. He knows us. Um, but our job, our purpose is to get to know him just as intimately as he knows us. That's our purpose. Our assignments are completely different, and people get assignments and purpose mixed up huh. because our assignments, are they change with the seasons in our life. Purpose never changes. Our assignments do. So I'm oh, hoping that helps somebody. No, I'm just thinking, yeah, I mean, just because I'm not tired right away. She does take a pause. <laughs> Rarely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I wonder if, if people, if you're worrying about what your purpose is, you want to live your life. And I don't think you can find your purpose until you live your life. If you live your life, your purpose will be revealed. I did not uh, set out to change broadcasting, citizen action, and, uh, you know, everything that we're doing here, you know, it, it was an evolutionary process. Um, but I did it because I wanted to be a talk show host. And from there, but I wanted to do something different. And this is an evolution. I did not know my purpose was to change politics and, and broadcasting forever, <laughs> you know, bring about something that's never it is, done before. That is not your purpose. That's oh, your okay. That is not that's your purpose. assignment. Oh, okay. Uh, please clarify for me before you go. Yes, because, well, like I was just talking about, our purpose is to know God as intimately as he knows us. Okay. That's our purpose. Right. That never changes. Your assignment changes. 
your assignment has been to um, totally turn the radio world upside down, which you're doing. Huh. Yeah. And, and they're resisting. And, but, <laughs> oh, they're resisting. No and, tech, but, 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 a lot of resistance you know, out there. That but, you also, know. Yeah, but that also changes. You can see your assignment first. You, know, you started out with WEBY. Right. And, you know, doing, doing it there. And then you've mm-hmm. got this other idea in, and developed it, and now you have Action Radio. That this part of the assignment will be even bigger. You know, just uh, just for the record, yeah, I, yeah, I went to to WBY to do Action Radio. The fact that the station was bought okay. and they did not want it, uh, I didn't actually change my assignment at all. They did, <laughs> you know, and and, and said, okay, can, you you can do it somewhere, but you can't do it here. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Nice to meet you too. Uh, and then I proceeded well, to. But, but that's okay you know, because here. God had yeah. the whole plan in all that. You know, oh, exactly. I mean, it was just part yeah, of, of the steps, yeah. you know, because it, it, it says in, in Scripture that, you know, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Hmm. Yeah, he, he orders your steps. So all the things that we thought were mistakes were mm-hmm. not mistakes. They were just part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't see that. I think that's the nice thing about getting a little older is you start to see the the puzzle take shape, whereas before, you know, when you're in 20s and even 30s, it's just a bunch of pieces. And there's no connection to the pieces. Yeah. So exactly. There's, there's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it makes sense now. It's just a hell of a way to get here. <laughs> You'll pardon me. Sorry, God. But, <laughs> but it's, just, it's, you know, I used to, I, I post something in, in some of my darker times, you know, when people say things like, well, everything happens for a reason. And I post the next person that says everything happens for a reason. Better know the damn reason. <laughs> I was mad. <laughs> Well, I'm not it, perfect it could be that you were just being stupid. <laughs> that could be. Hey, there was listen, no some great the... eternal purpose in it. You were just being stupid. <laughs> that could be. But some of the greatest ideas come out of sheer stupidity. Sometimes. You never know. You know, what, you what did know. Einstein say about genius and insanity? There's a really fine line. <laughs> and the question yeah. is, you know, at what point do we hop back and forth? This is interesting. This is really interesting. Um, so I shall ponder and, and, and think about this. And, uh, yeah, thanks for, for joining our show partway through. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Sorry, Bill. But Bill wasn't here anyway, so, you know, no loss of Bill. He's, he's off until uh, January. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, we should do Christmas stuff, too, seeing as we're heading for that season. And let's talk about what Christmas really is. Wouldn't that be a shock? Yes. Yeah. And, and, and all the the – propaganda that has been um, put out there over the years and and, mm-hmm. and people still think that they're true and, you know, just because they've been taught that in Sunday school or just seen the nativity scene or whatever, but that has nothing to do with reality. It's going to be interesting, too, to talk about, um, if you want to do some research, uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas, where Linus actually explains the meaning of Christmas. Is that even mm-hmm. shown anymore? You know, that was such a, a brilliant uh, thing to do. And of course it was accepted back then in the sixties. Like, of course that's the meaning of Christmas. Not well, now. Apple actually bought all the Snoopy stuff. And so you can't even see it unless you pay for it now. Yeah. What was that? From so, and that and he said, you know, the Apple bought all of Charles Schultz's stuff. Oh, all the Christmas specials. I mean, all the specials. Everything. No great Everything. pumpkin? You know, the Thanksgiving, no great pumpkin unless you're willing to pay for it. I'll pay for a pumpkin. I won't pay for a Christmas special or a Halloween special. I mean, really. <laughs> we should talk about Halloween, too. I don't think we've, we've covered that. 
I'm digressing. So if folks, are, like I said, the new folks of the show, if you notice that we go from, from the very serious to the totally insane and ridiculous, that's normal. That's ADHD. <laughs> that's how we do it. This yes, is, it is. You know, you know, so I've been told, this is kind of interesting, too. I, I consider it a huge compliment. That it's, like, you know, it's like Robin Williams radio uh, because we do move so fast with so many different things. And to be compared to you know, someone I consider a genius, this is really complimentary. But, uh, yeah, so I endeavor to be Robin Williams radio. Um, without even trying. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Without even trying. Yeah, All right. Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, to go take care of our day now, but I, okay. I bless you and the rest of, of our listeners, and thank you for joining us and, and joining in. If you uh, have a question or want to share anything with me, you can get a hold of me on Facebook under Wendy Arthur or Art by Wendy Arthur or Dimensions Ministries. Sounds good. Thanks, Wendy. We'll do it again next week. <laughs> All right. Hopefully on time. <laughs> With the show today, we'll see what happens. I'll have half an hour to maybe I'll find another guest to, to fill in for a while. Maybe I'll let somebody guest host. I should take a break and just kind of uh, chill for a while. All right, let me play a couple things here, and then we'll be, be right back in, uh, I don't know, two or three minutes, something like that. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three-minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live.
Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. Action Radio, dedicated to fixing everything. Oh, the fun we have here, power failures, you name it. But I'm glad the power came back on. So the show started about half an hour late. Fortunately, Blog Talk has this wonderful um, situation here, or whatever you call it, uh, I guess benefit, that uh, you can run a little overtime, up to an hour. Uh, And so I don't have to do that today. Uh, We missed Bill's report. Uh, Wendy came on. I got the show started just a little bit after 7.30. And so most of you listen on podcasts anyway, so you're not going to be affected by it. But the live listeners uh, certainly would notice that, hmm, I'm not there. <laughs> I got I got a bunch of stuff on my phone. It's like, Greg, where are you? What's going on? Okay, while well, I'm here. Uh, so we've got about 45 minutes before uh, Dorothy Diana comes on. Uh, our normal sex and sensuality report is on Mondays, um, but she couldn't make Monday, so she's going to come on today uh, at the top of the hour. In the meantime, I'm going to kind of follow on with what Wendy started to talk about and something that's been kind of going back and forth in my mind uh, for a while. The title of the show today, Do We Have Dominion Over Trees That Talk to Each Other? Now, unless you (laughs) know how my warped mind works, my ADHD brain, that's going to make absolutely no sense. But when I explain it, it's actually two articles where I sort of combine the titles, uh, then you'll see what's going on. One talks about dominion. And uh, I've had uh, uh, Brianna was talking about that, Brianna Cannon, about that we have dominion you know, over, over the, the, the animals and the plants and the earth. And so what does dominion mean? Does that mean we can do whatever we want? Because there's a, there's a very interesting thing with conservatives, I find, and uh, uh, it's like property rights. Well, if it's on your property, it's, it's yours. And I'm thinking, it comes to trees. And this is where it really gets interesting. So trees to me are very special. Trees are, are a living thing, the connection between the earth and the sky. You've got the roots of the trees, you've got the body of the tree above ground, and you've got the leaves up into the sky. Okay? So you've got something very spiritual uh, very, that's living. And the question that uh, all, all conservatives and patriots should ask is, um, is, are you taking dominion correctly? You know, when, when Christians talk about, I uh, have dominion over this, well, does that mean you have control over it or do you have responsibility for it? There's a big difference. I tend to lean towards uh, um, responsibility, that you have a responsibility. Uh, if we are the, the, uh, the more advanced beings on this planet, well, obviously we're more advanced. You know, we've got thumbs, <laughs> you know, we've got brains, we've got a sense of humor, where we, we, we know of our own mortality uh-huh. and we know of God. And I don't know how creatures, you know, around, you know, most of the, of, the, of the animals and plants are concerned with, you know, food, shelter, <laughs> you know, reproducing and, uh, you know, and, and the other stuff, <laughs> the other biological functions. Uh, and that's about it, you know, and that's their whole life. And it takes their whole life to do that. We have the luxury of being able to store food, travel quickly, uh, have uh, an information age where we have the Internet, and we can do pretty much anything. But the question so then becomes, do you, do you get a little carried away with your own authority? And do you say to yourself, okay, well, if a tree is on my property, I can cut it down. Well, my question is, 
Okay, so things are a little bizarre today. <laughs> I'm on my cell phone, and so I have to uh, do a bunch of things. So we've had, we've had a couple of power failures now, and apparently once you start a show and you get a power failure, whoop, you get a power fa- failure during the show, there's really not a whole lot you can do. So as far as I know, I'm back on. Uh, my microphone is, I guess it's not working. We'll just close that, that window right there. That's not working. Uh, apparently, I'm doing fine. <laughs> I guess I could invite myself. I wonder if I could do that. Now nah, I'm already on the show. So um, we're just going to go on and see if I can pick up where I, were, where I was before. And it looks, yeah, I guess it's going to be, they're probably going to delete the, the part where the, the power failed, failed. So now I've got to rearrange a couple things here on my desk. We've still got Dorothy Diana calling in uh, in half an hour with our sex and sensuality report. So let me, in the meantime, let me just construct a, uh, a thing here where I can put my cell phone up higher so you can you can hear me better oh there we go all right so i was on a roll i was talking about trees and it's really fabulous to uh let me see if i can find my website of course now the websites have to be redone oh good and the websites are working <laughs> okay so where i where i left this and I, I hope i'm broadcasting if i'm not broadcasting somebody please just tell me call in the show pianki if you're if you're listening uh, and you can give me a call. That would be great. Um, let me, or I'll check Facebook. In fact, let me just check Facebook messages right now. See if anybody sent me a message like, yes, Greg, you're on. Nope, I don't have any messages. Nobody's, nobody's telling me. So I just keep doing what I do and, and hope for the best. <laughs> That's kind of how it works around here. Fortunately, my phone has a fair amount of charge. That's a good thing. And so I should be able to carry on uh, for the show before that dies. Otherwise, I have to do my show sitting with my charger cord a whole lot lower than here. All right. <clears throat> so hopefully everything else that I, that I set up until the power failure uh, is going to be kept. And what was interesting is, again, this, this idea of, of conservatives um, and Christians um, kind of conflict a little bit in, in that, and when it comes to, like I say, property, trees, if a tree is on your property, and that goes for animals too, if the animal's on your property, can you shoot them? Um, I think if you do it for the right reasons, you know, hunting, you know, food in your freezer, yeah. Uh, a dangerous animal, yeah. For sport, no. <laughs> you know, same thing with trees. Trees are a living thing. Like I said, I went over that uh, in the beginning uh, of, our, of our chat here after Wendy left. Um, and so uh, this is the question for me. That if it, And this is something that, uh, you know, there are those that say, it's on my property, I can cut the tree down. And I'm like, well, does the tree really belong to you? It's a living thing. And so I think uh, older trees should be preserved. Trees for lumber should be cut down. You know, but just because it's there, uh, do you have dominion over it? And what exactly is the meaning of dominion? So I looked it up. So because the Bible says, you know, uh, and I'm not, the, I'm not the biblical scholar. We just had Wendy on. She's the one that, that knows how to do all that stuff. Me, I have enough trouble reading it without falling asleep because I have such a, uh, we talk about ADHD. You want to talk about a short attention span? Reading the Bible is like minimum attention span. Okay, I've got to make the screen bigger. It's really tiny writing. So I have to reach around a couple things here, like my, cell, like my stack of books and my cell phone. Let's hope that I do this correctly. Guess not. <laughs> okay. All right, fine. Hang on, let me see if I try this one. All right, that worked. So now we get a bigger screen. All right, so I found this. I found this interesting article called Biblical. It's, the website is Biblical Odyssey. And it's, the title of the article, Passages, The Meaning of the Dominion, um, by Ellen F. Davis. I don't have a date for when this is written. Ellen Davis, uh, Amos Reagan Kearns, Distinguished Professor of Biblical and Practical Theology at Duke University uh, Divinity School. So we're talking about someone that she knows her Bible. Okay, so... The meaning of dominion, and this—I don't know if it's going to clear up the the debate uh, between the tree cutters and the tree preservers or not, but I'm going to go through this anyway. And it, it seems to follow perfectly in what Wendy was saying earlier. So, uh, like I say, hopefully, Blog Talk when they process the the audio will cut out the the part where the power failed, 
Hopefully it won't fail again, uh, and I'll be able to get through the rest of the show. All right, so the article says, the notion that God intends humans to have dominion over other living things, Genesis 1, verse 26, Genesis 1, verse 28, rightly makes many readers of the Hebrew Bible uncomfortable, knowing, as we do, the abuses that notion has seemed to lead to in the modern uh, period. Human activity is a key factor in the currently galloping rate of species extinction. The factory farming of animals and fish is a major driver of environmental degradation in North America and increasingly around the world, not to mention the suffering of creatures who live out their short, unhealthy lives in confined animal feeding operations, and that's CAFOs. I've never heard that term before, confined animal feeding operations. Certainly this kind of, quote, dominion, unquote, more honestly termed domination, is unlike anything biblical writers or their pre-modern readers could have imagined. Let's see if I make the screen a little bit bigger. Hang on. No, I, 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 made, I made the volume bigger. <laughs> there, that's better. Try pushing the right buttons. It's not as easy as you think. It's, uh, we have our moments here. So let me just make sure. Uh, I can't make sure I'm on. <laughs> I was going to check my mic, but my mic isn't on. I've unplugged it. All right. So, so back to the article. I, I'm sorry. I apologize for things being a little disjointed today. Article says the common translation uh, have dominion over problematic above all because dominion is so readily confused with domination since the Renaissance and then the Genesis one Genesis one uh, chapter one verse 26 has frequently been invoked in the West to support the project of conquering commanding or enslaving nature through scientific and technological means um, I got my window open because I was listening to the rain <laughs> so it's probably a little bit loud out there but uh, let me, you know, when I get to this article, I'll, I'll play something, run over, take a break, and then come back. Um, it says, another difficulty with the common translation is that the Hebrew phrase, rada, be, includes a preposition that is in most cases not equivalent to the English preposition, over. A more satisfactory translation of that crucial verse might be, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, so they may exercise skilled mastery among or with respect to the fish of the sea, and among the birds of the air. These are the same creatures that were especially blessed by God, be fruitful and multiply, Genesis 1, uh, verse, uh, chapter, 20, chapter 1, verse 22, on the fifth day of creation before humans were created. We fulfill our role in the created order only when we recognize our responsibility to help perpetuate other creatures' fruitfulness. So let me read that verse again, because it's really, I think it's really kind of critical. See if I can find it here. Another difficulty. So the verse should say, a more satisfactory translation of that crucial verse might be, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness, so they may exercise skilled mastery among or with respect to the fish of the sea and among the birds of the air. So skilled mastery among. Uh, in other words, dominion implies responsibility, not domination, which is my thesis originally. It's just nice to have this clarify it. Uh, article says, although Genesis does not specify what exactly the exercise of skilled mastery entails, an important uh, clue appears in the immediately following verses, Genesis 1, 29 through 30. Uh, the chapter is otherwise terse, but it goes into surprising detail as God describes the ample food available for every living being. There are grains and fruit trees for humans and heritage and herbage, herbage, H-E-R-B-A-G-E, I haven't seen that word for a while, herbage uh, for the non-human creatures, uh, vegan food chains in the world where no blood has yet been shed. We can infer that the human role is to live in such a way as to honor the divinely ordained secure food supply. This is a sobering view of human dominion 
in an age of habitat destruction and extinction where countless species are dying off precisely because human activity has disrupted food chains. All right, I'm going to go back and cover that in a little bit. I want to play something. I, uh, Austin mute. Oh, I can mute myself on my own mic. That's how we're going to do it. Um, so let me go play this, close my windows, and, and I'll be right back. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, dangerously cool. Okay, we're back, and it's weird playing with my phone you know, doing uh, stuff like uh, checking out Facebook and messages and things like that while also doing the show through it at the same time. So I got to make sure I don't mute, uh, you know, do stuff crazily, and uh, we'll see. So hopefully I'm broadcasting. Uh, I don't know because uh, I can't tell because I'm on my cell phone. So we'll see what happens. And i got a couple commercials left just in case I completely screw up. So let me get the last part of this article, the meaning of dominion. Again, Ellen F. Davis, professor of, uh, at, Duke, at Duke Divinity School. She says, although Genesis does not specify what exactly the exercise of skilled mastery entails, an important do- clue appears in the immediately following verses, Gen- Genesis 1. I think I already said that. Uh, oh, I already read that. Okay, so we're done with that. <laughs> okay. Um, so this is interesting to me. So where do you, you know, if you have a stand on this, give me a call or send me a live chat. Let me see if I can make a live chat work right now. Uh, but if you want to call the show, 215-383-3832. I'm on a cell phone too. So, hey, it's not that different. Um, so anyway, let me see if I can get live chat working or reinstate that. If you want to type a message in, uh, this goes worldwide too. So anybody can do that. We also have our Skype line. Uh, if you look on the show, on the broadcast information, it'll show, it'll show you a Skype line. And hang on, let's type something up here. So we can try and do what's on your mind. <laughs> what's on your mind? Question mark. And... A little bit extra space in there, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we're sort of improvising today. Um, today is weird. It's, it's just weird because we had two power failures. It totally throws me off, and I'm trying to uh, sort of recover and recoup. So where do you stand? Where do you, you know, do you, are you okay with just cutting trees down like crazy? I'm not. I just think now, of course, what are they, of course, the property owners go crazy. They say, and I've been accused of this too. They'll say, well, you call yourself a conservative? Well, no, I don't actually. I, I call myself a constitutional independent. Well, you, uh, don't you believe in property rights? I do believe in property rights. You know, but the question is, what is your property? Is it your property to do anything with? Is it your property to kill a 300-year-old tree when you only own the place for maybe 10 years? I don't think so. And so we, 
we need to establish in law, and this, is, this would be a great question for, uh, for, for our, our budding environmental law area, that if a tree is 300 years old, it's been through a dozen property owners, and it probably will go through, if it's left alone, maybe 50 more you know, before it dies in, in, in a couple of hundred years or more. Do you have the right to cut that tree down? I would say no. I would say build around it. Now, small trees, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't get, you get crazy about this. You'll, you'll say, wait a minute, there's a, there's, a, there's a flower blooming. You know, leave it. Build your house around it. That seems a little silly. So if we're going to draw a line, I would say that decent-sized trees, uh, if at all possible, build around them. Uh, the tree has uh, – now, do trees have rights? There's an interesting question. Uh, there's a book called Do Trees Have Standing? And the idea is that uh, lawyers can sue on behalf of the tree. Don't know. <laughs> I have to. I gotta have to wrestle with that a little bit. Uh, as as you know, if you believe everything's alive, as I do, you know, then uh, then trees would have a certain standing. I think. I, I guess I'm pretty much arguing for that now. That trees, by virtue of them being there, uh, preceding your ownership and and being there long after your ownership. Yeah, I think uh, I think it should be able to stand there. For the same reason, you can't dump hazardous waste on your property. Well, it's my property. I can do what I want. Well, you can't dump hazardous waste. It's going to get in the groundwater. It's going to affect everybody else. Well, this tree is just on my property. It's not affecting anybody else. Well, is it? You know, that tree affects erosion. It affects shade and sunlight. Uh, it affects uh, temperature, humidity. It affects the oxygen content of the air because trees breathe out oxygen. It affects a lot of different things. It's a living thing. It's a living part of our, of our ecosystem, of our environment. Now, this would be an interesting place for... Uh, liberal environmentalists and conservative environmentalists, yeah, I said it, conservative environmentalists to come together and let's talk about uh, what, what, are, what is included in property rights. And then I came upon another article. So I'm just, you know, puzzling around the Internet, seeing what I see. And uh, the reason I mentioned the armadillo with Wendy is because uh, I, I was on a bike ride and, on the Blackwater Trail, which is a beautiful trail not too far from where I live. And I was able to it, – it's a long trail. I mean, I, I do about uh, – six and a half miles, so about 13 miles round trip, up and back and around and uh, hither and thither. Uh, but there's a lot of animals that appear on the, on the trail when I'm by myself. Squirrels, dragonflies fly beside me. Um, rabbits come out and run with me sometimes. It's really kind of wild. Uh, but uh, it's just, it's amazing. It's my community with nature. And so I feel very in touch with the spirit world, with the natural world, and with the, the, the human world, the rights world, God, and everything else. It's all kind of connected to me. I don't, I don't make a distinction between them. And so I'm looking around. I found this interesting article, Do Trees Talk to Each Other? Hence the title of the show today, which is really bizarre, <laughs> yeah. which is Do We Have Dominion Over Trees That Talk to Each Other? So this is the second half of my presentation. I presented the dominion part. Now I want to present the other part and give you something to think about. So it says a controversial German forester says, yeah, forester, he cuts down trees, okay? German forester, or at least he, he work, he's, a, he's a tree scientist, uh, says yes, and his ideas are shaking up the scientific world. And the article by Richard Grant, uh, March of 2018. And so it says here, uh, um, I'm watching. A little hard to read. I've got to rearrange everything on my desk to be able to do this. He says, I'm walking in the Eiffel Mountains in Western Germany. Uh, I guess uh, Eiffel, you know the Eiffel Tower? I guess he must have been German. Uh, who designed it? Isn't that ironic? <laughs> now I'm going to have to look that up, right? He says, I'm walking, this is the article author, I'm walking in the Eiffel Mountains in Western Germany through cathedral-like groves of oak and beech, and there's a strange unmoored feeling of entering a fairy tale. I feel that way, too, when I get to a forest. I feel like I'm entering an entirely different yet completely connected world. He says, the trees have become vibrantly alive and charged with wonder. They're communicating with one another, for starters, 
They've been, they're involved in tremendous struggles and death-defying dramas. To reach enormousness, they depend on a complicated web of relationships, alliances, and kinship networks. Now, I bet you never thought of trees that way of having that much complexity. They just kind of sit there and do nothing. Well, there's a lot going on, but as you'll see in the article later, it's happening very slowly, but it's happening. Article says, wise old mother trees feed their saplings with liquid sugar and warn the neighbors when, or warn, excuse me, the neighbors when danger approaches. Reckless youngsters take foolhardy risks with leaf shedding, light chasing, and excessive drinking, <laughs> that would be the sugar, and usually pay with their lives. Crown princes wait for the old monarchs to fall so they can take their place in the full glory of sunlight. It's all happening in the ultra-slow motion that is tree time so that what we see is a freeze frame of the action. Yeah, if you could speed up the life of trees, you know, a few thousand times faster, uh, I'd be very curious to do that. But you need a whole lot of film because you'd have to, you'd have to do, I don't know, about 10 years worth of, into a few seconds to, to really see what, to, I don't know. I don't know what the scale is. I don't know tree time. Article says, my guide here is a kind of tree whisperer. Peter Wilhelmben, Peter Wilhelmben, a German forester and author, has a rare understanding of the inner life of trees and is able to describe it in accessible, evocative language. He stands very tall and straight, like the trees he most admires, and on this cold, clear morning, the blue of his eyes precisely matches the blue of the sky. Walhilleben has devoted his life to the study and care of trees. He manages this forest as a, natural, as a nature reserve and lives with his wife Miriam in a rustic cabin near the remote village of Hummel, H-U-M-M-E-L, U with an umlaut, so that would be Hummel or Hamel. I think it's Hummel. Anyway, he's now at the age of 53. He has become an unlikely publishing sensation. His book, The Hidden Life of Trees, What They Feel, How They Communicate, written at his wife's insistence, yes, dear, and good for her, sold more than 800,000 copies in Germany and has now hit the bestseller list in 11 countries, including the United States and Canada. Wolhilleben has turned his attention to other living things as well in his Inner Life of Animals, newly issued in translation. We have a nice little picture of him here, too. It's kind of cool. Anyway, it says, a revolution has been taking place in the scientific understanding of trees. And Wuerhilleben is the first writer to convey its amazements to a general audience. The latest scientific studies conducted at well-respected universities in Germany and around the world confirm what he has long suspected from close observation in this forest. Trees are far more alert, social, sophisticated, and even intelligent than we thought. I'm not surprised. I mean, really not. You, you look at a, a redwood forest, you look at how forests are organized. You know, you look at a redwood tree, and I, when I was a tour guide in San Francisco, I went to the Muir Woods, which is an absolutely beautiful place, you know, four times a week. I mean, I lived there. <laughs> I, was, I, I like to San Francisco in the morning and uh, Muir Woods and uh, Sausalito in the afternoon. So I was in paradise. <laughs> I mean, I really was. Uh, I got to some of those beautiful places in the country uh, on a daily basis. Anyway, the Muir Woods. The Muir Woods is not like other places. In fact, no forest is. It really is its own world. And in the very dynamic, and you know, there's a reason that uh, all the trees are different species. Uh, it's called biodiversity, and biodiversity, in its simplest sense, says that you want to have as many different life forms, plants, and animals as you can. That's what's going to make the healthiest uh, ecosystem. That's why the rainforests are so healthy. That's why the coral, the coral reefs are, are so healthy, even though everything's trying to eat each other. <laughs> I have to ask God about that. Why did you design a planet where everything has to eat everything else? I'm just curious. You know, just asking the question, uh, the answer will, will come to me at some point, uh, I'm sure. But those are some of the things I think about. And so it's, it's fascinating. This whole idea is fascinating to me that the trees have a community. That the tree, well, Why wouldn't the trees talk to, to each other? How do you know? You know, 
there's something that once you accept God, you have faith. Uh, anything's possible. Whereas if you don't accept God and you don't have faith, you think that nothing's possible. Everything has to be explained. Everything has to be logical. If you can't see it, it's not happening. You know, do you believe in planets beyond the ones you can see? Well, how many can you see? You know, do you even believe in the universe? You know, to me, the world is very organized, very intelligently designed, and works in a very strange way. I mean, I don't know if I'd design a planet. If I were God, would I design a planet where everything ate each other? I don't know. I mean, if, you know, it does make for survival of the fittest. Uh, and don't confuse evolution with adaptation. There's a difference. Evolution is where completely new species are created from the mutations of other species. That's according to Darwin. That, to me, seems impossible because mutations are the things that usually kill you. When you have a genetic disease, it's probably because of a genetic mutation. Something didn't go right. Well, how you can evolve a more successful species out of uh, a million conditions that don't go right doesn't make any sense to me. But it does make sense that species adapt. You know, if you've got thicker seeds, you know, birds get a bigger beak. If you've got seeds that are further in trees, they've got a longer beak. Same species. Genetically, they can, they can mate with each other and create offspring. That's the definition of a species. Their, their DNA is close enough that that's what they can do, even though they have two different beak sizes. Look at human beings. We have different heights, different uh, colors, different uh, all kinds of different things. Same species. Yeah. So, uh, so why would trees be, be any different? You know, people think that the plant world, the animal world, is, just, is such radically different places. You know, there are plants that eat animals. You know, the Venus flytrap. Uh, it, it, but to me, it's, it's a very interesting thing. That, and I don't, this is the first I've read of this. I don't know if the trees talk to each other. I would assume so. It makes sense to me. You know, I mean, do they, here's the thought. Do trees space themselves out so each tree has enough room? I mean, animals are territorial. They space themselves out. Why wouldn't trees space themselves out? Trees go too, if trees grow too close together, what happens? Well, they all die because they're too close together. They're competing for the nutrients in, a, in too small an area. Huh, there's the garbage truck, the thing I close the window. So these are things I think about. And these are things that I wonder about. And so these two articles... Uh, it's quite interesting. Let me just get this last paragraph here. He says, with his green, big green boots crunching through fresh snow and a dewdrop catching sunlight on the tip of his long nose. Oh, this is very poetic. <laughs> Sorry about the pronunciation there. Uh, takes me to two massive beech trees growing next to each other. He points up at the skeletal winter crowns, uh, which appear careful not to encroach into each other's space. Oh, that's funny. This is just what I was talking about. Swear to God, I did not read this ahead of time and, and plan to talk about something and then read it. Uh, this is just fascinating to me. Well, maybe I read it earlier. It's stuck in my brain. Who knows? He says, these, are two old, these two are old friends, he says. They are very considerate in sharing the sunlight, and their root systems are closely connected. In cases like this, when one dies, the other usually dies soon afterward because they are dependent on each other. Yeah, I did read that before. Uh, not today, but uh, I have read that, and that's uh, when I was first reviewing this article. That's fascinating to me. Do trees space themselves out? Do different species intersperse? Is there some kind of arrangement with the trees? You know, when the seeds go free on the wind, um, is there any determination of which ones germinate, which ones don't, based on how crowded the neighborhood is? It's an interesting thought. And if you add all these complexities to trees, now you can call it anthropomorphism, anthropomorphism or personification. You can call it whatever you want. I don't really care. Um, but the point is that, to me, this is fascinating. And so it's, uh, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world of things that we have not considered. All right, I've got a few minutes left. Um, before Dorothy gets here, I'm going to put this, these two articles aside. Uh, they're in the Action Radio Environmental Action Project. And so I have many, many projects here at Action Radio. Uh, it's not hard to find them. Uh, but they're out there, 
Uh, out there. We've got Action Radio Legal Project. We've got Family Law Project. We've got a homeschool page. We've got an art page, a writer's page, a video page for, uh, for aspiring artists, writers, and video people. We've got the Economics Project, the International News page. Uh, we have many, many different pages. And we have an Environmental Action page, as I mentioned, where or this stuff's going to go. We've got an Art Project page. Uh, that's where we find Wendy. Wendy's an artist as well as a, uh, a scholar and uh, a minister. And, and uh, you know, but there's some pretty amazing people here. So let me find another one here. This is an article that I found interesting, too, for its contradiction. So totally changed subjects. Again, waiting for uh, Dorothy to, to call in. In fact, let me do a couple things here. Let me get my, make sure I have my, my phone number page up so I can uh, see what she calls in. Oh, that's out oh, there. It is. Okay, good. So we're good. All right. That's taken care of. Let me also check uh, and do, I'm going to take one more break here right now. I just got to check, make sure she got the message that the power's back on and uh, to call in a bit. What have I not played yet? Uh, this one. Okay, so I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Of course, i got a caller now, so it'll make it much more fun. So Pianchi has joined us uh, on my phone and my power failure day, and uh, we got a couple of little complications today, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I'm pretty good, you? Uh, well, <laughs> besides from the power failures and uh, little complications of the show, I'm doing great. You know, when the power was out, I got my dishes done, got cleaned up a little bit around here. Uh, you know, it got some so, – because it was dark. You know, it was light enough. The window, the light was coming in the windows. But uh, other than that, um, I'm hoping um, that – I was hoping I was broadcasting on my phone. Apparently so because you're calling. So that's a good sign. Uh, but uh, other than that, it's just, uh, you know, I, I got to get one of those UPS, those universal power saver things. Um, to, to be able to handle these little power outages. Do you know how long those last? Uh, can I do a whole show on one, or are they about a, do they have like an hour supply? How much power do those things carry? I don't know. I'm not familiar with it. Okay. All right. Someone told me about how to do it. Uh, of course, the main thing we need in order to get all the things I need for the show, sponsors. So if you want to sponsor Action Radio, we have several ways you can do that. Uh, we've got, in fact, I have to do that gap pace thing that you sent me. Uh, I'll get that uh, done. For now, until I get uh, a new system set up, we got paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. We also have givesendgo.com slash action radio. So if you want to help us out and I can get a power supply and a bunch of other things we need for the show, like a uh, full marketing budget, um, then that would be uh, that'd be really cool. Hey, did you hear our show yesterday with uh, – oh, you were on it. I'm sorry. You did hear it yesterday. My mistake. Mario Prado, what do you think? We're in the movie biz. This is great. Yeah, that's good. Now you can do some spaghetti westerns like Clint Eastwood. I've always wanted to do that. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Give me the cowboy gear. I'd love to, like, redo that scene where Clint Eastwood has the, the, the bandits who made fun of his mule. Do you remember that one? 
I think it was a fistful of dollars or one of those. Yeah. Or a few dollars more. Yeah. Good stuff. So what's on your mind this morning, sir? We've got Dorothy joining us, hopefully in about five minutes. Um, I'm trying to get a message to her that uh, we're back. <laughs> I don't know if she's, she's caught it yet. So what do you think? Well, it's the same old thing. Uh, well, it's not the same old thing, but it's an, another day that's uh, open for surprise, surprise. Yeah, you have to see what happens. Well, let me let me quickly recap what I've been covering the last little bit here. So the title of the show today is uh, Do We Have Dominion Over Trees That Talk to Each Other? And so that's a combination of two article titles, one on dominion, uh, biblical interpretation of dominion, uh, which appears, as I thought it would, more towards responsibility than domination and control. And the other one, I just read an article on Do Trees Talk to Each Other? And so there's a fascinating, there's a scientist who, who, who says that the trees are a community, that they work together, talk to each other, space themselves out, uh, sort of, you know, agree on how much sunlight they're going to get. It's, 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 a, it's a really interesting uh, theory. And so my question was, if a tree is on your property, especially a couple hundred year old tree that's already been through several property owners and probably will go through several more property owners, do you have the right to cut it down? And my contention is, no, <laughs> build around it. And, and uh, Bill Fecky in particular uh, said, no. And Jesse said the same thing. No, cut down trees. If it's on your property, you can do whatever you want with it. I don't think that's necessarily the case for the simple reason that you can't dump hazmat. You can't put hazardous material on your property because it's not your property to do that with. If it gets in the groundwater, people are going to die. And this has happened. You know, if you cut down all the trees on your property, there might be a huge, there might be flooding. That's one of our biggest problems in Santa Rosa County right now here in Florida is that people are, are cutting down all the trees for their housing developments and all the, the, the topsoil is running off because the trees aren't there to hold it together. So not only do the trees have, uh, you know, have a right to be there, I believe, uh, build around them uh, or selectively cut only so many trees, but they actually prevent floods. And people don't see that in consideration. So where are you on, on the tree on your property dilemma, sir? Well, I think that a person's got a right if they want to cut the tree down. It's on their property, they can cut it down. Mm-hmm. It may be a dangerous tree. If it falls, it may tear out a house or something. So that would, that would be if a valid reason. Yeah, I was saying if the tree is dangerous to your house, if it's going to fall in your house, if it's dead, that makes sense. If it's a dead tree, I mean, obviously. But even dead trees are our habitat. But let's let's put that aside for now. Um, but if you or if you're lumber or if you're heating, if you're heating or your house with lumber that you're growing in your property for that purpose, that's a good purpose. Or if you have a wood stove, makes sense. I want a log cabin. A log cabin is going to come from trees. What I don't like is people simply cutting down a 300-year-old oak tree just because they want to uh, do something. They don't want to take the trouble to build around it or not build necessarily, or move to a different side of the house or, or something like that. Uh, I just, I, it just bothers me. I mean, I've seen trees get cut. Ever seen a tree get cut down? Ever heard a tree getting cut yeah, down? Yeah, I've cut some down. Big ones? How big? Yeah, it was pretty big. That's four foot diameter. That's big. That's a, that's a substantial tree. It makes mm-hmm. a horrible noise. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard trees. It made a loud noise when it failed, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it, it, and that's that's you know that's killing a tree. So the question is, as, as much you know, it's like hunting. There's hunting for meat. There's hunting responsibly, and there's killing animals because you want a trophy on your wall. I don't believe in trophies, but I do believe in hunting for meat. Same thing with trees. You know, if it's on your property and it's lumber, uh, or you're you're building a log cabin with it, or you're doing something productive with it, okay. 
But if it's, if it, I, I think certain trees are special, especially the older ones. They've been there before you. They're going to be there after you. I don't think people should be able to, especially you know, in these urban environments where uh, the places are already built. <laughs> you know, build around it. I don't know. I just, I just have strong feelings about trees. Probably different than a lot of people. Well, yeah, people have different concerns, but you know, you may mention by hunting. Uh-huh. Sometimes that can be very uh, challenging too when you're looking at an animal. You know, as people get older, they seem to take on different perspectives toward things, have appreciation okay. more for life than they do when they're young. So I can see how uh, obtaining that type of sentiment would and can exist. For trees or for animals you're hunting, or both? For, for, for trees and animals. Yeah, I never wanted to hunt when I was younger because, you know, I, I thought that the killing animals was wrong. And then I realized, once I realized it's part of the natural order of things, that's the way the world is created. I mean, most everything kills something else to survive, whether it's animals or plants. You know, plants attack each other. Yeah, you know, even plants show. Yeah. Yeah, even plants show some sort of intelligence. So it just depends on the person uh, who's contemplating and who's looking at the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So has your perspective changed in, in terms of hunting? I haven't been hunting. I'd like to go because all the meat that I've consumed from stores, I figure I should know how to actually hunt uh, kill and clean my own and cook my own, you know, meat, venison in particular. I'm hoping Ted Nugent will uh, introduce me to that someday. I want to go to his, his hunting camp. If, if Ted, you know, supports the show one day. I've asked. <laughs> I try to reach him, by the way. Um, but uh, that's the kind of thing that would be fun to do. I mean, have uh, and then jam out with Nugent, you know, do some guitar playing and, and do some hunting with Ted Nugent. That would be like a dream come true. That would be great fun. And I'd learn how to do it properly. But that's the thing is you got to learn how to do it properly. There's hunting and there's hunting. You don't just go over the rifle and, and a hunting knife and go, okay, I'm a hunter. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Well, yeah, mine have changed a little bit. I don't – if I go hunting, I may go hunting with a pair of binoculars or something. Well, maybe that's the whole pretense around this artificial meat that they're growing in the laboratory, you think? That's an interesting question. I think it's just because they're – they want the meat for themselves. They want the resources for themselves. Uh, Dorothy's on the line too, so I can get to her in just a second. They want everything for themselves, and they think, you know, how how can I respect anybody that thinks that I should eat bugs? How can I respect anybody that believes that they are the masters of the world, that they control everything, that they have the right to tell us we're never going to have property and we're going to be happy? You know, I'm sorry, property makes me happy. When I get my jet and my uh, Firebird convertible, I'm going to be really happy. I'm really happy now. I don't have a whole lot, but I'm going to. But the quest is, is part of the joy of all this, too. But I don't want some, some person that thinks that being a billionaire gives them virtue or, or gives them wisdom. It gives them power, but it doesn't give them virtue. It doesn't give them wisdom, and they don't seem to understand that. So I think there's more wisdom on this show than the World Economic Forum and the, the Davos Group and, and the collective billionaires that think uh, they know what's best for us. Because I know what's best for people is what people decide for themselves and their own personal choices. That's what's best. And those choices taken collectively equal a free market. 
and free expression and, 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 and art and music and all the things that we're able to do and political expression and writing. If it's all controlled from the top down, you know, you get communist China. And they're not going anywhere. Well, anyway, all means of educating and, you know, educating and being on the offense is rather than being on the defense. Right now, uh, those that stand for the values of the country seemingly are on the defense and being pushed completely out of the arena. Huh. Interesting. Well, I haven't done Dorothy's new theme yet, so I'm going to play a little music here to kind of get us in the mood for the sex and sensuality report. So we'll play this, and we'll be right back. interlude on Action Radio brought to you by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky in the Nutcracker Suite. So now that we're feeling all pastoral and calm, Dorothy Diana, welcome back to Action Radio. Hi, how are you today? Having a great time. I got a phone call coming in. I'm on the phone during the show, so I've got to find a way to to get rid of this thing. Yeah, let's send it to voicemail. Bye. I had the same thing just happened. My my ex husband's calling me right now. I'm going to put myself on. Do not disturb. Oh, put him on the show. Oh, come on, put him on the show, please. Put him oh on the well, show. he Do might con- have some interesting things to say. Do a conference call. Wouldn't on? that be great? So if I answer, a, we, you all can can you all hear both of us? That is a stupid question. But if I answer the phone, you can hear them, right? If you have a conference function, uh, you better advise him that he's going to be broadcast worldwide and podcast forever. It, it might not be a good thing to surprise him. He might say something. He doesn't, well, he doesn't like do surprises. Sh- okay, well, okay, well, you better, we'll, we'll, we'll spare him this time. But if you ever want to bring him on, that would be, uh, that'd be interesting. Uh, but it, remind, it, it, it actually inspires a topic we should talk about sometime. Sex with exes. We need to, uh, um, to, 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 I'd be curious of that phenomena. I know it's out there. But um, I'd be it's just uh, just another another thing for us to talk about since you have an ex, which we mentioned. Yes, and he um, he actually is very well spoken, but he is probably not going to want to talk about sexuality. He'd more want to talk about the mortgage industry and things like that. Okay, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't expect it with both of you on because you're exes. I mean, I wouldn't put you in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I just, mind just, at all. Oh, well, in that case, I would put you in that Well, you can put him in that position and talk to him. But I, I think that would be uh, – it's just something – it's another one of those many topics that uh, I was even – I never even thought of doing a sex and sensuality report. Uh, this, is, this is you. This is your creation. Okay. It's like, whoa, okay, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And here we are. So here what you've been thinking about? Yeah, here we are. What you've been thinking about the last little while? What's going on? What are people telling you? Well, 
I find it interesting this situation in Qatar and oh, the LGBTQ community. Well, kind of a little bit of backlash and uproar from the LGBT community that uh, you know that the situation in Qatar is is anti-gay and that if there's any athletes that are agreeing to like David Beckham agreeing to be the face of Qatar, you know, he's being criticized and uh, just a lot of back and forth, the minister, the energy minister um, saying, you know, your LGBTQ community is welcome to come to the world cup, but please don't push your beliefs on us. And then the LGBTQ community wearing rainbow shirts and being asked not to wear those and getting angry about that and, you know, wearing pink and just being demonstrative of sexual choices in a place where, they're pretty clear that their culture is a certain way and uh, please don't do that. So I find this interesting. So they asked, have you heard anything about that? This. They said, uh, I've, I've heard a little bit about it. I remember this, this is the mm-hmm. world cup. And I know that mm-hmm. people were, were asked uh, not to, to display um, the political part of this. In other words, they're, at least they're, they're tolerant enough to say, you know, you know, since they weren't held in Iran where they'd be thrown off the rooftops uh, and some other Correct. places. Correct. Uh, so Qatar said, okay, let's have, uh, and I'm sure Qatar wanted the World Cup championship because that brings them a lot of prestige for the same reason the countries want the Olympics. Uh, and they were nice enough to say, okay, we don't believe what you believe, uh, but we're going to you know, bring you here anyway. Uh, just don't throw it in our face. And I think a lot of Americans feel exactly the same way. So this is really interesting, and yet they're being criticized for it. So the question is, if you're a guest in somebody else's country, you know, does that give you the right to, to flaunt your political beliefs in their country, knowing they've already told you that they don't like it? That, to me, is rude. That would be grounds for throwing them out. Uh, it's as far very as I'm bizarre. Concerned, just, well, I wouldn't go to India and slaughter a cow and eat a big burgers in public to try to make my point that I think it's okay and I believe in the beef industry needs support. Interesting. You know, right? I mean, yeah, there's a million example, examples we can think of that a rational, compassionate person would try to integrate into a country, share beliefs, have discussions, but don't force and be offensive. Mm-hmm. This interesting, this Peter Tatchell, this um, British activist who, who was held, he wasn't even, I mean, they didn't treat him brutally by any means. They just briefly arrested him when he stood outside the National Museum holding these signs that said, uh, you know, protesting Qatar, protesting LGBTQ policy, wearing a shirt that says Qatar is anti-gay, you know, that's against, that's seriously against their legal system and their, the, the religious law. Like it's not, it's not vague. It's very clear. So, and then of course he got, I guess, arrested. It wasn't technically arrested. I guess he was just held for a little bit and interviewed and, asked to show his passport, as anybody would be, you know, if you're in Singapore, you pee in the street, you know, be prepared for what happens. They value cleanliness. They are very clear about it. You don't bring drugs into Singapore. You might believe in medicinal marijuana. I do. I do believe in medicinal marijuana. I do believe in the health benefits of psilocybin, but I'm not going to go to Singapore and sell it and try to convince others because that country is very clear in their policy on drugs. Um, I don't know. I think it's ludicrous. I think when you travel, when in Rome, you do as the Romans do. Even if you mm-hmm. identify as this or identify as that or have certain sexual urges, I have certain sexual urges. I'm not going to do them in a stadium in Qatar necessarily. I don't feel the need. <laughs> I, I can stay home yeah. and invite my boyfriend over for a cuddle night. I, I, I yeah. just, this, this, this pushing, pushing, forcing someone else 
to feel discomfort and to, and to, and to enforcing your values that someone else doesn't feel strongly against, even religiously, deeply strongly against, you can put, you can make a million examples of how we wouldn't ever do this. A rational, compassionate person would never do this. Yet it's politically popular to do it in this one circumstance and everyone's up in an uproar. <clears throat> well, it's interesting. Well, you know, uh, all right, go ahead, Yankee. Yeah. When I go, you go through the airport in Egypt, and when you're checking in there at the uh, immigration at the queue, they have a sign saying what you're not allowed to do in their society. One, you're not allowed to show any affection, that is, kissing, even if it's your wife, in public. Mm-hmm. And you can't be wearing a shirt that has Jesus written across it. Mm-hmm. And you can't go around wearing Daisy Duke shorts, especially when you're going in those temples. I've known some, I've heard of instances where people are killed. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're absolutely right. One should be respectful when you go into another country. But these people, they just believe that they can just flout their way on to others. And I'll tell you another uh, area that you should be rejected to them, and that's when it comes down to the teachers that's teaching your kids. I don't want my child to be in a classroom where they ever have come in and openly, like I say, hug and kiss on them in front of the classroom. I just don't. I would take my child out of that teacher's classroom. And I've seen kids taken out of classrooms for less reason than that, like uh, mm-hmm. the teacher had a strong accent of their native country and parents took the kids out of the classroom. So we need mm-hmm. to exercise their right and liberty we have. That's right. Yeah, you know, no one's forcing anyone to educate the kids in any way. If, if you know, you can always remove your kids from the classroom. If we remove public funding for public schools and we don't like their policy, maybe, you know, really the public schools should be following what the public wants, which is a whole other conversation. But, um, yeah, well, so I would go to Egypt and make out with my boyfriend. I wouldn't go to Egypt and, and, and try to do my own thing, right? In fact, I think it might be a very sexy, fun, you know, game, like even make it more sexy. Like, oh, we're not allowed to touch each other in public. We're not allowed to kiss. Like, why can't that be fun? That could be even more fun, actually. Um, right? The, the sort of well, you know sense of it I know all. You, you, like, I, you could get away. I, I can see it now. You're gonna, you, you'd go there and see what you could get away with, right? You would. You'd push and the now, now you have to use eye contact. Now you have to speak in code. What a fun game. We're not allowed to touch each other. How can we still connect? I don't know. Everything can be turned into a silver lining. My, uh, my friend is Moroccan, and we were planning a trip to Morocco, and he told me we're really close. Such a great – he's devoutly Muslim. I have such good conversations with him, and we tend to see eye to eye on almost everything when it comes to a value perspective. Um, and it's really fun because I wasn't raised Muslim, obviously, but – so he said, yes, you're going to stay with my family. It'll be wonderful. He said, just so you know, in the rural areas, not in the big city, you're going to need to cover up. You know, you'll have to wear the, um, what is it called? The hijab? Is that what it's called? Hijab yeah. and, and burqa. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay. And I was grateful that he told me, like, I didn't for a second think, oh, no. I, I thought, oh, okay. I'm so glad he told me because when I go to a country, I want to fit in. I want to do what they're doing. I want, I want to make friends. I want to talk to people. I don't want to be this political, you know, activist who pisses everyone off. Why? Why would I even visit the country? Just do, go somewhere else instead. Um, Can you and I'm glad, invite yeah. him on the show? <laughs> He'd be great to have on the show, quite honestly. I'd love to talk about Muslim perspective 
on, on, on sex and relationships and things like that. I don't know. Oh, he would, he, he would love that. He'd be such a good speaker, too. Yeah, bring him on. But I want to get uh, – I, I was thinking a way to relate this to, to our main topic here of sex and sensuality. And, and it seems to me that people, they use sex as a political weapon and people try to make people feel guilty for believing what they believe and say that what they believe is wrong and that they have to accept what these people believe. Christians especially. Christians do not accept uh, the gay political agenda. They just don't if they're, if they're uh, you know, true-believing, scripture-reading Christians. And whereas the Christian will not try and, and convert or, or make the, the gay person feel guilty for what they believe or what they do, uh, a gay activist, I'm not talking about gay people, but gay activists, the political activists, really have this, this extreme view, and they, they've given themselves permission to say that if it's related to sex, you know, with people of the same sex, you can't talk about it. You can't criticize it. You can't say anything. You have no opinion. And it's like, it's like a sex domination kind of thing over, over people's lives, attitudes, and everything else. People feel bad for believing what they believe, even though they've been raised to believe that way. And it, it's, it's, not the, it's not gay folks that people object to. It's, it's people forcing the gay agenda on folks that don't want it. That's where the problem comes in. And so how does well, that apply? Yeah, so instead of having a conversation a, where – agreed – so the way the way to do it is you have a connected conversation with a, with a friendly, reasonable person, and by the end of the conversation, you know you may not have completely changed your mind, but you know you softened a bit. You become a little more compassionate, a little more understanding, and mm-hmm. the opposite of that connection is the force and the anger and the extremism. So it's having the opposite effect. Most people don't care. Most most people I know they're super religious people, and there are. Um, extremes on both sides that do care but for the most part most of america doesn't care what you do sexually like we're over it that's 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 yeah, done exactly. they, people are very but, accepting nowadays so yeah. they do start to care though when you force it and you okay. make it make it a big yeah don't make me feel most, guilty most for being people. a heterosexual white male you know, I mean, I, I don't feel guilty for that. Don't try to make me feel guilty for that. It isn't going to work but the use of sex in ways in politics is a very um strange and fairly, I guess, fairly recent thing that these folks feel entitled to make other people feel bad. And they project, their hatred is projected on what they say is other people's hatred towards them. So there's this sexual weapon. And I know we don't want to talk about sex and politics all the time, but this is an interesting place where it crosses. And are people defeating themselves? Is the LGBTQ, I mean, why can't I just say the gay community? Why is the gay community, you know, sacrificing their own uh, goodwill towards others by being so forceful with their advocates. I think they are. I think it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Most people don't care. If people most have people don't care. Most people, most people yeah. don't care. Most people don't care. They don't care. You know, and you're always going to have, you're always going to have, you know, a hole to, you know, if two men are holding hands walking down the street, they're going to say something. But there's a-holes that are going to say something about a lot of different people. Everyone, nobody escapes being made fun of. But in this day and age, everything's pretty much accepted. Just don't be rude about it. Don't be a jerk about it. This interesting thing that I felt was, was this, this activist, Catchell, actually told people he was arrested. And our media, part of, some of our media reported that he was arrested. And that's a lie. He wasn't. And um, our government was, was very disappointed. They said they cordially asked him to leave. They cordially asked him to stop doing this, to stop protesting that it's against the laws. And, um, and then later on, this, this activist admitted they were very polite, but he didn't feel like he was free to immediately leave. Okay. So, so he really presented it as a, in a kind of a more violent way. And then our media took it and believed it. 
and ran with it. So now we're stoking up more fires of divisiveness, right? And then later he admitted that they were actually very polite and they just asked him to stop doing it. I mean, so reasonable. But they're painting this picture of Qatar as being hateful and violent, anti-LGBTQ. Yes, they have religious laws. They're very clear. Um, but in fact, women aren't even, they don't even apply to women. They just really apply to men still, a lot of them. But, um, you know, again, it's just this, this false narrative of extreme that they have to keep promoting that there's this horrible hatred and persecution when even in Qatar, it's clearly not what it's being portrayed to be here. <clears throat> it's interesting. That's, yeah, the hatred is uh, coming uh, from the people that are pushing their agenda, which is really interesting. And that, that, but the whole idea of using sex as justification for for hatred and, and projection—it's yeah, it, a very interesting so thing. So inverted, it, inverted it, reality. Yeah. You, you, had had his, uh, you had your president Obama, and you had your Secretary of State Hillary Clinton was doing just that, uh, going, but doing so in a more deviant way by withholding aid as country would open up to same-sex marriage like Obama did with uh, Nigeria and some other African countries and Hillary Clinton using what she calls soft power withholding aid if uh, countries don't open up to abortion on demand even by uh, young kids so it's coming from that level of the U.S. government as they interact with countries around the world. Look what Kenya told Obama. Don't bring that mess, basically. Don't bring that mess over here on your arrival. Well, it's almost like it's religion. So not only is uh, the, uh, the the gay political activists, it's almost like they, they worship this. this uh, the, their beliefs are so strong that they become almost like their own religion. And you have to believe as they believe, or you're, you're like an infidel and to be hated and, and persecuted and prosecuted and demonized and, and victimized. And they feel okay with that. And that's where I think it's a huge mistake. Well, they go after your kids. Like I heard someplace yeah. that the Proud Boys were providing foreign protection at some mm-hmm. school or some area there in Texas for a cross-dresser who was going into the school to do storytelling. And I don't know how true that was, but uh, that's really stretching it in. Well, we're, we've got some extreme things going on. But let me ask Dorothy a little different question. I'm, I'm, I don't know if this is your particular topic you want to talk about today, but I have heard that as far as uh, gay male relationships and, and lesbian relationships uh, are generally more violent um, than uh, heterosexual couples, that the most violent relationships are actually lesbian relationships with, with, gay, uh, with, with men, with gay relationships being second. Uh, and that um, heterosexual couples are, are the least. Have you heard anything about that? Do you have any studies on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the violence in, in lesbian relationships is, is, is something anecdotally known for a long time. I don't know staff on it officially, but I know I've had lesbian friends since I was a teenager, like long-term uh-huh. couples, short-term couples, and that's a, a well-known phenomenon. The um, very quick entering into a committed super attached relationship. And again, I don't want to stereotype. I don't want to offend anyone, but this is a real stereotype. Um, quickly. Well, we talk about reality this. here. You know, I mean, we okay. talk about that, that uh, young black teenagers commit more crimes than young white teenagers. I mean, that's just, mm-hmm. that's a statistical fact. It's not a, it's not a racial judgment. It's just the way it is. Yeah. 
you know, and well, it's it, it not was really just their violence, you know. I mean, that's something that to me is interesting because you think of women as as nurturing. So, wouldn't two women be the most nurturing relationship? But apparently not. Well, Maybe but are, I mean, okay, but the stresses, yeah. their stresses, and so I, there's not a ton of actual science and data on this, and I think the reason. Oh are, no, like, they're not going to study this. That would go well, against the agenda, do, which is part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to do. Um, sampling I think non-random sampling and like um, it's hard to get actual feedback and self uh, selection factors but apparently the studies on abuse um, have very tiny tiny samples and what they say is it's the same they say it's the same rate as heterosexual couples I think that we probably hear about it more because like you said it's two women it's kind of more unusual couples but the lesbians themselves report um, that that is a that is an issue, like uh, anecdotally, but uh-huh. statistically, it's allegedly the same as heterosexual. I really don't know, but I've heard about it. Like I can I can't say as like professionally, but I hear a lot about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Okay. I really don't know what the reason would be. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. Yeah. Normally, the social construct is you know dependent, nurturing, emotional, and um, less likely to be aggressive, right, and prone to violence. Women. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just, I mean, I lived in San Francisco 30 years, so I, I got a really uh, good uh, look at, uh, at gay culture. First of all, I was there in the city, and I can honestly say some of my best friends were gay, um, which gives me great insight, too. And it's, it's interesting that of the, a lot of gay relationships I was exposed to, that the couples, whether they're men or women, there's usually a more masculine of the two and a more feminine of the two. It's almost like they're mimicking heterosexual relationships, even though they're with two women or two men. Has any, do you have any mm. insight on that? How's that for a question? Um, repeat the last part because you were cutting out. I'm sorry. I'm on my cell phone. So we, we've had two power failures. We yeah, yeah. One at any time. It's one of those. Well, days. it might be but, mine because it's pouring rain here. And, um, okay, well, so anyway, the front's moved. It's probably yeah. on you now. So, yeah. So my question <laughs> was that – Okay, let's get on to her in a minute. So that, that's a, that'd be an interesting point, uh, uh, sex and politics of, of, of putting, you know, lesbian and gay politicians in because they're lesbian and gay, and that would be Buttigieg. But, but it seems to me my observations and what I've noticed – and this is direct experience. Uh, I remember being in a park apartment building uh, where there was uh, two uh, gay men, and one of them was the more feminine, the other was the more masculine. And I've seen this a lot of times in, in lesbian relationships too. There's a more masculine, you know, dominating, yeah. shall we say? Um, yeah, there's a the masculine couple. feminine energy. That's a good relationship. Yeah, agreed. It's, it works better. But why would that? <laughs> so why would why would gay and lesbian relationships who want to be of the same sex want to have something that mimics? Uh, something that they're not. Well, yeah. no, I think it's the, I, I think it's a masculine, feminine energy. So I can be attracted to the body. Okay, so I'm physically a woman. I also happen to carry a lot of feminine energy, also. So that that works well. I'm attracted to a physical male, and I'm also okay. attracted to a male that has a strong masculine energy. There are men that do not, and I'm and I I've been in relationship with them, and it's friendly, it's fun, it's easy. It's not very exciting. It doesn't turn me on very much. Um, <laughs> honestly, that's the fact. The so women you know? still like real men. That's it's easier. It, it's show. less stressful. Yeah. In some ways, it's yeah. less stressful, but it's certainly less sexual, and it's less, um, 
I don't know. It's hard to explain. So I think in a lesbian relationship also, you know, you're going to have the masculine and, and one that's going to work out a little better. You're going to have the masculine and feminine energy because those rules tend to apply no matter what sexual identity you have, that, that it works best okay. in a masculine energy and a feminine energy. And that's the violence. I was, you know, you have to, so a lot of study I did with was transgender transitioning, uh, male to female transition. And in these communities, there is so much, I mean, I'm just going to say there's so much discrimination and stress, usually familial stress, society discrimination, even though we've come a long way, even though 72% of Americans say they don't care, same-sex marriage, same-sex relationships are fine, they're good with it, and, and they don't really care about someone's sexual identity. 72%, I think, was the last, the last good poll done, even though um, I still have friends whose families don't accept them, whose families give them a hard time. So it's just an added stressor. When you're in a lesbian relationship, it's an, the, the added stress is there's cultural, there's still cultural stress about it, whether you agree that there should be or not. Those, that stuff always contributes to violence, whether it's psychological violence or domestic violence. Anytime you have a couple where there's a lot of stress, external stress, whether it's financial, the kid has a very big disease, you know what I'm saying? It always increases the tension and, ten, and then in, the, in a couple that's susceptible to violence increases whether it's psychological violence or physical. So that, that's something to consider, if, you know, with lesbian relationships, right? I was just curious if there was internal power struggles as to you've got two women, you know, who maybe both of them want to be the masculine energy or both of them want to be the feminine. And uh, you, you've got, I don't know, I'm just curious. I, this is what I'm asking I think you have that with every Larry. relationship. Yeah. Lori Life is Lightfoot, they call her beater juice. She's what, four <laughs> foot six and her wife is about seven foot look like when she's standing next to her. She's very so who's the dominant person? Height is not a determinant of domination. Look at Napoleon. True. So who who's the dominant uh or what do you know about that relationship? Uh has mm-hmm. anything revealed publicly? She's Have the you man in relationship. In and she's I, she's I, the man I, in the relationship and she's very evil. We listen to her talk, and uh, when she's interacting with some reporters. Okay. I know nothing about this relationship. Yeah, well, Laura Lightfoot is near Chicago. I'm sorry, we should have yeah. told you that. Yeah, no, I know who she is, and I and I'm very much. I again, I'm very supportive of of the gay community. I'm very unsupportive of her. I feel very repulsed when I listen to her and look at her, like there's a very evil energy there. In my opinion, well, nothing to do with her sexual identity. Yeah. If you disagree with her, it means you hate lesbians. And that's not true. I just disagree with her because I think she's a terrible mayor on a power trip who wants to victimize people by taking their guns away. And it has nothing to do with who, who she's married to. Uh, but I will I make one distinction. Yeah. Well, yeah. She's, that's I've, the power. You can't be against. Bruce I mean, yet. I'm just looking at she's her and her man. wife right now. And yeah. I just don't understand it. What's your oh. understand? I don't know. I, I need to process that. It just doesn't, they don't look like they go together again. <laughs> I've seen a lot of lesbians. You know, some of these, I'm just going to throw this out there. Okay. You know, some of these political people, their marriages are a little bit arranged so that it's not exactly, you probably heard this. It's not exactly their marriage. It's, it's just sort of arranged and put into place in order to further their career further the agenda of the people on top. I'm just saying that. I don't know if that's them, but. 
Okay. No, I was just curious. This is an interesting chat today. You know what I mean? If we're Mm -hmm. talking about what you want to talk about, I got Pastor Don on the line. I'll let him listen for a little bit (laughs) and get all caught up with us here. Uh, then you can join us in a, in a few minutes. Um, did you have a topic, or was this your topic? I, I, I don't want to, because I know you don't do politics a lot. But I was interested. Well, well, this, well, but so politics and sexuality are overlapping a lot right now. Oh, of course, and they are. I, situation. I, 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 I didn't want to talk about yeah. it. I just, but it's your yeah. report. I didn't want to uh, step on your report. Well, because sex I, I, is, is no, huge. I like the, the situation in Qatar is a okay. bigger. It, it, it's like ex- exemplary on a more intense global level of overall ideologies right now like do we get to insist someone else completely accepts our subjective sexual identity like or any of that part of our identity if, if i if i suddenly say you know i've been reading about building houses for a few months i'm now a house builder um i'm going to help you build your house i don't i don't know like i'm just trying to come an example like do i have to force you to accept this identity I've chosen. Like, and this is happening in Qatar. Like they're trying to force Qatar people to, to accept who they are. I I don't know. The sexuality, let me give you a political, a battleground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll give you a political analysis of this. They are embarrassing the United States. If I were president, I think if Trump were president, he would have them arrested for, for totally screw, or not arrested, but he would have them, uh, I don't know what you do exactly, um, but there's got to be a way to demonize these folks for trying to destroy our foreign relations with a country that's really trying to uh, um, adapt and, and join the world community. So you want to talk about a country that's saying, okay, we're doing our best, we've got our laws, we've got our beliefs, you know, these people can come here even though we don't like what they do and object to it, it's against our religion, and yet they're opening up their country in the World Cup. So this is a foreign policy thing. This is it's very political. Sports is political, sex is political, entertainment is political. I mean, everything is, it, it, all this stuff intertwines. And so the idea that our government... Yeah, we're drumming up hatred. We're drumming up hatred against the U.S. Not only are we doing our thing here, but now we're doing our thing and forcing it on others, like these gender studies programs the U.S. I guess the U.S. was funding gender studies programs. What was it, Lebanon? Where was that tax dollars going to a couple years ago? Um, That's great. Yeah. No, I believe Yeah. And again, and part of I'm they all hand about out birth control studies. devices and you know all kinds of stuff, and they, they're vaccinating people like crazy. You know, it's like it's this arrogance. It's the arrogance of uh, of my belief is right for everybody. And what's the difference between that and and, and colonization? If you're saying that if you're going to another yeah. country saying you're not good enough, what's the difference between them and missionaries? Missionaries that went to Hawaii invaded their wonderful culture and said, you people are savages. You you don't believe in in the way we believe in our Christian God. You know, of course, they do believe in God. That's exactly right. I actually posted something very similar. That's exactly right. It's no better than going into these islands, the European explorers, going into these continents and these islands and, and really raping and pillaging the people just because the LGBT community right now, not all of them, but the ones that are acting like this, which I don't we're think are the We're talking about political actors. We're not talking about people that yes, live their yes, lives we're in not talking about, we're talking about job and, you know, go away on vacation. The ones that are politically, yeah. politically motivated, hateful, politically motivated and hateful, how is it any difference? If, if they had the guns and the weapons, would they actually take over Qatar and arrest those who didn't believe the way they did? And I mean, mm-hmm. possibly, possibly, and change the entire culture to one that fits our right now flash in the pan current belief system, which probably is going to change in 10 years, you know, like take over their entire well, this culture is why and don't... make it ours. Yeah, this is why I don't want gay marriage put into law, because uh, as much as I don't care what people do together, I don't care if people want to say they're married. I don't care about any of that stuff. But in law, 
in law and in the English definition and in our dictionaries, marriage means a man and a woman, sanctioned by God and licensed by the state. That's what a marriage is. So I don't want people messing around with a popular fad of changing our language and changing our laws just for something because they want to do it. Nobody's stopping anybody from getting together. They used to, and that was wrong. But the point where, where someone thinks that they can change our laws and say that, that marriage means whatever we want it to mean, you, no one should have that power because what they've done is they've voided every marriage that's ever been in this country because they say, well, a marriage now means two men or two women or whatever other combination comes up later. And all those people that were married under the assumption that marriage meant a man and a woman sanctioned by God, licensed by the state, and you can question licensed by the state. But the point is that we have standards, we have consistency, we have a language, and as much this is where I will be conservative. I want to conserve our law and our language. And if people, like I say, I don't, which I would have a different name, a gay union, gay bond, or even just a bond or a union. So you got, well, I have a union with this person. Okay, cool. That's fine. I don't care. But don't change the Well, you know, during the first Gulf War. Go ahead. And then I'll get Pastor Donna. Go ahead. Well, you had the first, during the first Gulf War, you had the soldiers that was issuing out Bibles in that country. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it came to the attention it was required to stop. But uh, that goes along with the lady just got through saying. It's the arrogance of going into other parts of the world and confronting the people that's been there for ages and saying what they're doing is wrong. It's yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a cult. I, th- I think LGBTQ is much closer to a cult and to a religion. Uh, than it is to uh, to an influencing group. Uh, of course, everybody has the right of free speech, but your right of free speech ends when it becomes coercion, guilt, manipulation, uh, and in ways that uh, victimize other people from their rights to free speech. Let's get Pastor Don on. He drops in periodically. Uh, Pastor Don, we've got uh, Dorothy Diana. This is her report on sex and sensuality. You got me on a cell phone because we had two power failures, and we got Pianic on the line oh, as wow. well. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Welcome sir. That shows your fortitude. You, you're going live without no power. That's really big. Yeah, I just, you know, I got a live show to do. <laughs> if I can call in, I think we got backup. So this, this is my no backup. Excuses. Yeah. I love so it. So what, um, what do you want to contribute to our chat today, sir? Well, I was listening to a dialogue, and I'm on the fence because I'm, I'm coming in to the tell, and I, was, I haven't had an opportunity to hear what was said prior to me speaking. But I will okay. say it, it's a it's a great day. It's, it's Wednesday, winning team Wednesday. Uh, I'm doing my radio show way on tonight. Uh, shout out to all the winning team members. I'm texting and stuff, but I came to support, man. I really like what you do. You're at Action Radio. Well, thank you. Well, that's excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, hang out for a while, listen in, and when you when you want to contribute, feel free to to uh, join us with uh, with where we're going. It's hard to leave in our conversations because they really do. This show built all the way through. <laughs> yeah. So from the from the very first moment we go on the air, which is almost three hours ago, uh, it, everything builds on everything else. So let me get back to Dorothy then, and uh, um, and this uh, you know with the whole point about Qatar, this is this is U.S. foreign policy that they're messing with. This is not just. You know, we we want to we want to embarrass the Qataris and force them to believe what we want to believe. And so, do, do, does your sexuality give you the right to to screw up uh, U.S. foreign policy? And of course, my obvious answer is no. This is a rhetorical question, but I was curious what you think about that. I think it's, it's very self-centered. It's very self-centered, okay. and it's um, you know, when you use sexuality for violence and for anger, I feel like you're you're blasphemizing and polluting a beautiful thing. Um, I'm not here to judge any, like, I know the Bible says, says something, the Christian Bible and, you know, the Muslim, I don't know what the Muslim Bible says, but I know that, that in a lot of Muslims believe that you can have more than one wife. 
Um, so the whole ma- one man, one woman thing wouldn't apply there. But again, all of that aside, I'm not, I'm not convinced. That would be a marriage to me either. That, I, w- I wouldn't define that as a marriage either. If you have more than one wife, that's not a marriage. A marriage is one man, one woman, sanctioned well, by it, God. It's interesting, but, but the religion yeah. believes as strongly as these strong Christians. Well, I'm not going to tell them not to do what it. it. Yeah, what a marriage is and isn't, and it's more against homosexuality, yet allows more than one wife. So, but the but the reason is, it's not me to judge, you know, and and I don't feel the same way about same sex marriage as you do, and there's a lot of reasons I don't believe the same. Um, In law or in practice, let's let's distinguish between law and practice. Both. Okay. All right. So we can disagree on that. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like we've added so many toxins. Okay. We've added so many toxins and pollutants to the environment. We've injected these children, and those studies on sexuality, identi- sexual identity and, and gender are so strong in correlation with vaccination. I don't want to get into that again, on, you know, but, but no, not, not really – it's not really the whole, knowledge, the whole thing that it's choice who you're attracted to, I don't believe in. I believe we've really um, – there's embryological differences. There's embryological hormonal things that happen. And so mm-hmm. people come out who they are. If we leave them alone as a society and quit putting ideas in their head, we will see them develop who they are. And um, I believe um, a marriage should be between one strong masculine energy and a feminine energy, and that's what works really well when you have mentally healthy people. I don't care what, what, what chromosomal arrangement they have, but um, I also don't believe sexuality should ever be used in a violent way, and I think it creates divisiveness, and that's what's happening in, in Qatar and, yeah. and like we discussed earlier, everything can be approached in a connected, compassionate way or in an angry, self-serving energy, energy towards myself way, and that's what causes problems. And so it's like, oh, 9-11 happened. Well, look, the actions in Qatar by the LGBTQ community are the kind of shit that triggers things like 9-11. I don't want to get into whether 9-11 was our false flag mm-hmm. government operation, but We've we're all told how horrible yeah, and shocking it was and how awful the terrorists are. Well, look, if someone, a big group of, of people came into our country and tried to force clitorectomies on our girls, yeah, I don't know, or something well, that's religious the in their no viewpoint, how would we do feel? That. We, might, we might start yeah, a war. Well, uh, we might, you know, I don't know. I think that's happening. Well, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's a big one well, for you. Female circumcism is in the tradition. Female circumcism is in the tradition of those countries. We need to leave them alone. And also, mm-hmm. uh, they have in some of those, in some societies they have more than one wife. We need to leave them alone. It's their business. Mm-hmm. Well, see, and yeah. this is the, this is the difference. I don't, you know, if someone has four wives, that's fine for them. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I don't want to force on me. I don't want someone coming to my country and telling me that I have to have four wives. Hell, I had enough trouble with one. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like they, That's but funny. they do here in America. You do have more multiple uh, wives. They just call it cheating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, let me ask you a, a big question here, uh, and that is, and the reason that I like having the language standardized and having definitions for things, whereas a, a gay union would be a union as opposed to uh, a heterosexual couple would be a marriage. The reason I do that is standards, and and one of the standards we have is, is what I would call you know normalcy, 
And let's talk about what's normal, what's not normal. And I don't mean the sense of what's good and bad. I'm talking about what's normal, what's not normal, especially for kids. If we're going to establish a standard for kids, you know, kids should know that a marriage means a man and a woman, you know, sanctioned by God, licensed by the state. Uh, a gay union means something entirely different because it's either two men or two women. Those are different relationships. And I think to maintain that, that separation in language, but not separation of people, the people can get together. But if you, but what's happening is that things that were uh, not normal simply because it was a small minority of the population is being forced on people as normal. You know, Heather has two mommies. Is that normal? No. Does it happen? Yes. Is it okay for, for if that's the situation that uh, they all find themselves in? Yes. Is that, should we aim for that as a, as a normal thing? No. So one of the things that gets left out of the whole conversation with uh, uh, gay versus straight is the idea of what's normal and what's not normal. And I'm not just saying the, the aspect of condoning, but just as the aspect of classifying. And I think it's really important for us as, to, as a society to define what a normal society is. And normal society to me is heterosexual, you know, married families, even though I don't particularly partake of it because of my own personal experience in both marriage and families. Um, but we need standards of normal and uh, without, uh, without condemning. You can tolerate, condone, accept, be fine with something, and still maintain standards of normalcy, whereas a marriage means this and a union means that. It's okay to have, you know, uh, certain things taught in schools as normal. You know, certain things in families can teach as normal. This is what normal people, this is what the standard is of society. However, a lot of folks do other things, and that's okay for them. Where do you stand on, okay. on that whole concept? Oh, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with this. Um, okay. I, I honestly feel like what you're talking about is balance and con- and having a balanced perspective and a balanced approach. And this is always when you're dealing with humans, very unique humans whose uniqueness has been encouraged. Right. So it used to be mm-hmm. there was more pressure for everyone to kind of be a group. Right. Think as a group, do what everyone else does. Don't stand out. Well, this, there's been a huge push for being unique and individual, I think, since. I don't know since what decade, I don't know, but I know as long as I was a child, it became more and more about your individuality, right? And, and mm-hmm. making sure oh, that everyone knows who... Founding. <laughs> you know, but it's been different. But the, indiv- the concept of individuality goes back to Magna Carta. So it's been a concept And it's beautiful. And it's beautiful. But and it's, I think that we can achieve right. a balance there also. I think we can live as mm-hmm. a group recognizing unique individuals. I think that's what the village always did. Right? Mm-hmm. Within reason, mm-hmm. we accept uniqueness and individuality. When it starts to adversely affect the group, we call it in, we have a meeting, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, and we solve it, right? So with love. And, and so, but what, what the push has been is this uniqueness to the extreme of damaging, infringing on others without any accountability, right? So um, okay. I, I feel like, again, the balance is what's important, that, that we understand we're unique and there's uniqueness. Yet your uniqueness isn't allowed to adversely affect um, the positive wholeness, goodness, love in our culture. I, I, I don't know. Does this make sense? Oh, it does. But I, I still think that, uh, that the whole idea of declaring things as normal and different uh, is something that uh, a lot of the LGBTQ advocates are, are horribly against. They want to normalize. Uh, their sexuality. They want to normalize. But it is normal. It is becoming normal because of all the toxins. Because of all the majority toxins, it is becoming normal. It is becoming normal. Well, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you talking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're talking acceptable. I'm talking about normal in terms of population. So normal okay. is what most people do. Most people yeah. are heterosexual. So are, are the percentages most getting people, bigger and bigger? Uh, well, what are the stats on that? And that's when the nation. 
I mean, there's some stats. I don't have them in front of me, but there's some good stats. Okay. It's it's it's, it's a little bit. Yeah. Look, you can you can see it as the way it is, or a little disturbing. I, the disturbing part for me is not the actual gender identities and sexual identity. That doesn't disturb me. Right. Offensive, perver- in, per- um, intentional pushing it on others in a perverted way that might cause harm does bother me. Um, not considering others when you make your choices. And um, what really bothers me is that it isn't a choice of individuals because of all the chemicals and toxins and vaccines. It's not, it's out of our hands. Parents are turning their children over and the rates of sexual identity, gender, gender fluidity and vaccination are very strongly correlated. And they have been for years. Again, if you love that, if you, if you don't mind your baby's born, doesn't know what gender they are, um, wears tutus and he, uh, then great, let's go forward. Well, but at what, some point, at some tipping point, what, we're not going to have. Hmm? If you don't know what yeah. gender you are, that's really not relevant because you have a gender, or actually you have a sex, either you male have a or female. Gender chromosome. Yeah. So, so you, you are what you are. Mm-hmm. You can you can change your body. You can uh, mutilate your body. You can chemically, you know, change your you know your your chemical makeup, but you cannot change. Your sex, you're either male or female. I mean, and that's what, listen, that's a, Greg. But you can you identify met, as know, something else. What? I know for a fact you've met a man. I mean, this this is funny to me because I'm thinking of someone in particular in my life. Um, I know you have to have met a man who is, quote, straight. He's married. He, I don't know. There's nothing about him that you can pinpoint is feminine except his whole aura and attitude and he claims to be straight, and he does all the right, all the straight cisgender things. But you're like, oh my god, this is the most feminine man. Like, and you can't. It doesn't. This is the like, most gay straight man. You have to call heterosexual. You know what I'm talking about? But but they're, no, they're not they're even doing that. They're not in the bathroom yeah. fixing their hair. They're not doing the metrosexual <laughs> things. I'm not ta- even talking about metrosexual. I'm well, talking you about can like have like mannerisms, uh, voice, speech. Yeah. Like it just doesn't go together. So what I'm saying is. There are so many variations, and, and we're not going to be able to put our oh, finger right. on it all, but we come out very – there's a huge spectrum. That spectrum is shifting. It is. It's shifting much, much more away from um, being born a super masculine dude, from like the toddlers that want to play well, with sperm construction counts trucks. Are dropping too. And, <laughs> well, there's yeah, lots of chemical things going on. Yeah. What's we're happening might having, be a problem. We're having shifts because of chemicals in our environment. And we can say, yep. well, no matter how much that's occurring, we're still going to insist on this, on this way, this two. You're either one or the other, and you better choose one. I don't feel like that's compassionate, to be honest, and I don't think it reflects well, I'm reality. I'm not asking that question. And so I think the normalization is going that, to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just saying that it's a sign that the nation, that the nation is dying. And you have had societies go out of existence before there was any advent of a chemical. But that's just the sign. Nature does make mistakes from time to time. Co-juring twins, a co-juring uh, uh, oh, Siamese twins. Yeah. yeah. So that's just a sign that the nation is is dying because you can't produce any life out of those type of arrangements. Well, I I wouldn't be surprised if if this was all intentional. So the political agenda, which we know what it takes monetarily to get something in the front and center headline news. So we know there are groups, there are very wealthy groups that are not advocating for minorities because grassroots groups, movements that are truly grassroots don't have the kind of money to put front and center headline news, the LGBT community. 
over and over and over and over. So we know that there's an, uh, some corporate agenda. It would not be surprising to me at all if the pharmaceutical companies who are causing this shift in spectrum to very feminized men and very masculinized women to make us all the same and to take away the sanctity of the masculine feminine energy raising children, I would not be surprised if they're behind all of this. Not just the intentional Can you look chemical into that? Causes. That would be fascinating. I, the intentional chemical chemical abuse and, and, and secret um, plan to, to make us all inverting the beautiful reality that is the divine gift of our sexual energy, our, 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 our dichotomy, our masculine and feminine, to take that and pervert it, per, make it a perversion, make us all the same, dilute it so we're no longer strong as a couple. We're no longer strong well, we, in this, like, yin-yang. We would yin have yang, to consent right? to that. We would, yeah, we would have to consent to that now as much well, as look, the, the, look who's the consenting. Look at all these housewives. Look at all these housewives taking their kids to the drag shows. That's consent. They're giving consent. They'll accept consent in many ways. And, and these people who are weak-minded, as we've seen in the past three years, we have a lot of weak-minded people who are very brainwashed. Yep. They give consent oh, yeah. in many, many little and big ways to all of this. Well, this is why when you need a definition you, of normal. You know, you know, hang on, Pianca. Let me, let me make a point here. Because this is why normal is such an important definition. And I don't mean to, to, to persecute for the purpose of persecution, but for the purpose of definition. So in other words, normal to me would be uh, – um, or, or here's the situation. If you had a teacher – uh, elementary school, uh, uh, male or female, doesn't really matter. But if they're gay and they don't talk about it and they teach normally and the subject doesn't come up and they teach the subjects and they're a great teacher and everybody loves them and everything's great, that's one thing. That would be perfectly acceptable situation. However, uh, the drag queens, you know, the, uh, the, the, the pedophiles that are coming in trying to make what they do normal and acceptable, no. And so at some point we have to start drawing lines. And what the LGBT community does that frustrates me so much is that they say that you have to accept everything as normal. And it's simply not. I don't care about a gay teacher in school who teaches and doesn't, their sexuality never comes into it. I don't care who they sleep with, you know, off duty and away from the kids. If you're teaching the kids and you're doing a good job, that's fine. But I do not want drag queens in school. I do not want pedophilia in school. I don't want the normalization that what uh, the LGBT, the the gay community, let me start with that, wants to convince everybody this is normal. If you don't believe this is normal, then you're the one that has the problem. No. The activists are the Here's ones that the, have the problem. You know what, they Greg, believe the rest I'm going to – not that I'm the end-all, be-all. I make a lot of mistakes. I'm a very imperfect person, but I'm going to share. So I recently went through a divorce, and I got a boyfriend, okay? Not right that after, uh-huh. but, you know, soon after I got a boyfriend. And not okay. like one, not like one after another boyfriend, one boyfriend, just one. And uh-huh. I'm, so I'm not being flaky or weird or like this crazy single mom, right? Well, I mean, okay. I'm not that, how many boyfriends you have. It's, that's, that's well, not that, we get not that, work, that means, but I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I, I feel like in anybody's eyes, no matter how, cons- I'm being very respectable, even though, even though I'm, I'm fully left my husband, I haven't done anything wrong. I have been very careful about introducing my boyfriend in, in, in my social circle because I know it's a delicate topic. There's many people who are, you know, are used to me being married to a certain person and it takes people time to acclimate. I'm so fully they sensitive. have to make the adjustment that you've already made. Now, this, is, this is a fascinating But I'm point. not, but you know what I'm not going to do, Greg? I'm not going to assume that as soon as I leave my husband, I grab this boyfriend, I bring him to all the parties, all the children's events, and I expect everyone to immediately say, you know, because that's not human nature. You know, well, I live in a very you got Christian your boyfriend homeschooling. You. you you didn't get your boyfriend to I don't show know. him off to all your friends. The point I'm making. You did for the right mm, okay. I don't. Yeah, the point I'm making is 
is sensitivity to others. So I'm in a very Christian conservative community where most people stay married and, um, okay. and they, don't, they don't go through divorce. And I'm sensitive to that, not meaning that I think it's something wrong I'm doing, just the point being that we're sensitive to the group we're in. And we say okay. we don't expect them to accept that just because I went through a whirlwind divorce and then got a boyfriend that they should suddenly everyone just there's, there might be some adjustment of feeling towards it. And I'm, I'm fully okay with that. And I guess what I'm trying to say is like, what if we all had an attitude that we are gentle with others. And when we do something that's slightly outside of what the group is doing, we are compassionate knowing that we have to introduce it gently and, you know, and, 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 and explain well, ourselves you're, you're, and make sure that, that we're not just forcing ourselves on others, even in subtle situations, right? That we're well, that aware sense, that not see, other people fine, all agree with us, you know? It's because you're not forcing yourself that makes a difference. Whereas if you were in, uh, if you found a girlfriend and you made all your Christian friends accept <laughs> your girlfriend. All right, think oh my about God, that, okay? don't get to me. That's hilarious. Okay, so Can think you imagine think how about mean to the children? That's so mean to the children. And you have to think about the children too. Like when you're a parent, okay. And you're making these choices, you have to think about how it affects your children. So you're not, you know, let's not be all adolescents who are like, well, just because this is what, who I am. You don't know. You, mm-hmm. you think about your, your group of family you love and how your decisions affect them. That's just kind. doesn't mean you can't okay. do it. It just means you do it with grace. Um, it just, I don't know. This just seems to be logical to me. It's like visiting Egypt. And not making yeah. out with your boyfriend when you get off the airplane. Yeah, but what if you what if you found a girlfriend, and what if your girlfriend insisted that you tell everybody because she's a, an activist and wanted to force your relationship on your friends, mm. whether they wanted it? See, this is what I'm saying. You draw lines, okay? So there are line, there are things that are acceptable and things that are not. There are things that are tolerable. There are things that are not. There are things that are normal, and there are things that are not. And, and just because it's not normal doesn't mean it's wrong, but it, it does mean that you can draw a line and say what normal is and what isn't. And so these are the things I want to do. And, and what the, the, the gay activists do, their biggest mistake is that they take away the ability of people to make judgments and draw lines and make decisions of what they will accept. Because you have to accept everything that the gay activists tell you or you're hateful. You're bad. There's something wrong right. with you for accepting what they do. And I'm saying what, what they do is fine for them. And, but it's not normal. <laughs> you know, it's a minority of the population. And why should a minority of the population dominate everybody else through guilt and manipulation? And so the agenda is wrong. The people are fine. I don't care well, about the people. Well, it comes down to service. Wrong. I think it comes back down to service to self-energy or service to others' energy, which is a basic spiritual component. It's like universal. It crosses every religion. If, am I more focused on my own needs and what I want or um, – mm-hmm engendering love and compassion amongst myself and others. Like what are my actions? Not that I have to sacrifice. If I have a girlfriend and that's, that's love to me. And my girlfriend's like, yeah, we're going to show them. Don't, don't hide our love. And I'm like, you know what? A lot of my family is very conservative. And I believe over time when they get to know you and I talk to them, they actually are going to love you and accept you. But right now acting like that is going to have the opposite effect. If she can't hear that, that's not love. You know what I mean? So that ends that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, that's exactly that. That's a deal breaker. Let me get Pianki in the conversation because I'm, I'm curious about uh, uh, black community and, and uh, gay versus straight. Because when I was in 
Oakland, when I moved to the Bay Area, I was in a, a way predominantly black neighborhood. I mean, I shopped at the Muslim bakery and, uh, you know, and so there's a problem. There's a lot of Muslims in the neighborhood. So I was one of the few white guys. It was a really interesting experience. I used to actually go to the laundromat with my guitar and, and play I blues. I bet you did. <laughs> No, I did. And these old guys, I, awesome. okay, I wish I had recorded Of course this. you did. No, I had, these, I had these old black men would come to the, the laundromat, and we'd make a blues songs. And, you know, it's like the crazy white guy who's got a guitar. Let's sing. And it was hysterical. But it was also, it was beautiful. It was an amazing experience. Anyway, but the two, the, the guys that I knew in a gay relationship were, were black. And I was just curious, attitude-wise, Pianchi and, and uh, Pastor Don, uh, how, does it, how does this work? And, and, uh, are they actually the same black community, white community, Asian community, other communities that you might know? I'm just curious. No, you got a strong opposition to gay activities in the black community, and you also okay. have a, uh, opposition to interracial marriage in the black community. I know a family where they discommunicated his son, their son, because she married he married a white female, well, a white white woman. So yes, it exists. There's so does that add? So this is back to Dorothy. Does that add an added stress if you are if you are black and gay or black and lesbian? Does is that have it's you run known to the rates of black gay suicide, black gay um, mental health problems? And now I don't know now, but I know again things change very quickly. Um, Ten years ago were higher, um, and I I think especially in the South. I don't know demographically, but. Um, when you are in a situation where who you are isn't okay, um, that's very stressful. And that leads to mental health issues, it leads to depression, and suicidal behavior, and self-harming behavior. Being black there, and gay a, historically has been pretty damn hard. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking about that. Right? So, and Latino, too. Latino that, and gay. Uh, it's a very masculine, very uh, strong culture, you know? Interesting. I love that we can explore these questions. Um, what was the nickname? What is the nickname? What is the nickname? What? Brown sugar, right? Yeah, brown sugar. That's what my black gay friends used to call themselves. Okay, I knew there was a nickname. I couldn't remember. It wasn't that good. So anyway, That's the Rolling Stones song. <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Yeah, there's I think there's a lot of little nicknames. If I remember, it's been 20 years. But so what is that? So what is brown sugar? <laughs> well, yeah, they made them take that song off because they said it was racist. And that there is another element that's popping up too that want to dictate to you the acceptability of what you've been listening, like Aunt your mama, uh, the, uh, what's the other one? Uncle Ben on the rice box. And, you know, it, it, it's gotten ridiculous. Well, we got cousin T's. So I want to get him on the show too. <laughs> Maybe he'll sponsor us. That'd be kind of cool. So it'd be interesting to have new products come in with, with black faces on the, uh, on the packaging. And say screw you, we don't care. You know, this is uh, you know, especially I think Cousin T has his picture. Doesn't he have his on a, on his pancake mix? I think most That's, people uh, love Cousin it. T. Cousin yeah, T. Yeah, but doesn't he have his picture on the package? Yeah, Terrence has his picture on the package. Yeah, Cousin is T. Is anybody telling him that he has to take it off? <laughs> is anyone telling him he has well, to take it off? The... He probably tell him to go someplace if he did. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta look it up now. I don't know Cousin T. Oh, oh well, we're trying to get him on the him. show. What's wrong with Cousin T yeah. stuff? Well, there's nothing wrong with it. Wait, Apparently, he's not allowed to make pancakes. What's the problem? I don't understand. Well, he's going down with Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He supports Donald so Trump. He has his own business. This makes sense. This goes hand in hand. What else? 
Is, are people offended by the pancake? See, here's the thing. In black community, people think it's skin color in many cases, but no, it's the political party. Because you got Herschel Walker, who's a Republican, and you got uh, Warmack, who's a Democrat, both of them black. But they ridicule mm-hmm. Herschel Walker, uh, make, talk negative about his Southern draw. They didn't say anything mm-hmm. about Hillary Clinton. When she came into the black church talking about, uh, I'm tired of being tired, ain't going to take it no more, and all that crazy mess. Yeah, yeah, she did that. Um, so Warnock, I just drove through Atlanta. Those signs are everywhere. I guess they love him. Huh? Well, he's from the church. Yeah, okay. He's from the church. He beat his wife. Look at his stance. He's for abortion through the ninth month. He's for open borders. Oh, wow. He's for making yeah. a making a baker who uh, a gay couple comes to the baker and want to have the depiction of two males on top of the wedding cake. He thinks that the baker must do it. Okay, yeah, that's no, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'm supporting gay marriage, but it's that baker's decision that's his business <laughs> so you do draw so you draw a line it's interesting that's that's, that's, that's you start his business it's lines. religious protection religious mm-hmm. against my religious beliefs look if it's my religious i hate i mean i don't i don't know maybe my religious beliefs doesn't think sex should ever happen mm-hmm. maybe i think people should be chased for life i don't know maybe i don't believe in marriage but, at all you go to a different baker i don't want to put a man and woman on a cake i don't like you go to a different baker that's exactly the point so what if you go to a pizza place and demand sushi do you have the right to demand sushi from a pizza maker or to demand that they provide you a, a, a crust exactly according to your allergies you know no if they don't have it they don't have it you go to someone else make your own mm-hmm. at home what i mean what's the big deal it's not that they're discriminating against your allergies they just can't afford to you know, meet everyone's needs all the time, and nor should they have to. That's why you have independent businesses. Again, I support same-sex marriage. I don't support forcing someone else to, to agree with everything you agree with, period. I don't know. Not that I'm making the decisions, but I think that it well, still like, comes back to love and compassion. You know, we're not going to force anyone, right? That's not love. Yeah, like Greg said, uh, marriage is sanctioned by the church, has always been, and licensed by the state. Uh, what Congress done yesterday or the other day before trying to codify marriage is totally unconstitutional, and that's what they do. They try to force things onto you and make it normal. Then they try to choose Supreme Court justices that's uh, coming from that particular background. That's why I'm in favor to- for having. I'm favor of having one Supreme Court justice from each state, a total of fifty. And to pass something, they got to have at least thirty-eight. Say yay. Yeah, I'd like to see a bill in that, Pianchi. I think it's it's too close to a legislature at that point because the Senate only has 100. And I think uh, if you want to have the states nominate, you know, nine justices, in other words, if the if the nominations didn't come from the president, they actually came from the states, and the Senate could uh, confirm. Uh, that would be something very interesting. Uh, that might be a consideration also. Let me ask one more question here. I was just thinking as we're adding things up, what if you were uh, black and gay and conservative during the civil rights movement, would you fit in somewhere? They did mm-hmm. have one, Leonard Rus- Ruskin. He was that way. Who's that? I'm not familiar. Ruskin. He was uh, in, uh, amongst the mix. Uh, I guess you can call it a hierarchy of the movement. He was there. He was gay. Okay. Huh. 
So there you go. There's, there's yeah, you know, the movement was was open. That's kind of cool. All right, I'm done. Uh, Dorothy. Yeah. This now I'm fascinated with two things. One, is there anything in the Constitution about marriage? I don't think there is. Nope. So nope. I, they have no jurisdiction. What the, Cong- and, what the Congress did yesterday, Pianchi's absolutely right. What they did is, is blatantly unconstitutional. Oh, my gosh. See, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. We live in a certain country. Look, we can keep having discussions about this. I love it. Um, but let's not step on each other's toes, right? And uh, also, Mr. T's pancakes, which I'd never heard of. Now I'm real hungry. I think I'm going to order some. They look fantastic. <laughs> well, I wanna, we five-star reviews like nobody's report. business. What's that? I'm mm-hmm. sorry. What did you say? I, I stepped on you. My mistake. Oh, Cousin T's Pancakes, five-star reviews, 3,000 five-star reviews on Google. People love them. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, you know, black, it's just the idea you that, have a segment of the black community that hate him because he was openly supportive of Donald Trump. If he makes good pancakes, I'm not going to worry about his political views. I'm going to order these pancakes. They come in bulk, and um, maybe I'll eat them in bed. And then we can I've have a them. report on that. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Well, we need. We're, I'm going to get a food report at some, well, at some point. I'm going to get uh, you and Shirley to do like a, a cafe hour. We're going to compare cafes in your different locales. But I'm going to start a, a like a, maybe a cafe and diner page, so we can start doing I some went more fun to the stuff. Best oh. Cafe this week. Oh, okay. I went. I went. To, but I won't talk about it now because we're out of time. But I thought of you, of course, and they had they did everything right. I mean, books, Paula Dean's recipes. Um, charm, Christmas decorations everywhere, delicious mm-hmm. soups, was warm and cozy. Mm. It'll be a new group. We'll have a fun group. <laughs> the show, I'll tell you, we are, we are not limited. I, and I'm, I'm the worst when it comes to, to, to new ideas. You have a new idea? You want to run with it? Run with it. I don't care. <laughs> Let's see what happens. You know, there's, I, I, you'll very seldom, almost never hear me say no. Um, the only times I, I think of that is, is like two unpardonables. You know, don't take over my show and say it's yours. And uh, I forgot. Oh, I, maybe that covers all of it. <laughs> Just don't take over my show and tell me it's yours. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm open. <laughs> Go for it. Well, well, thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me bend your ear about Qatar and, you know, philosophizing about, you know, at what point do we do we just shut our mouths and smile and enjoy another culture without forcing ourselves, right? I think we do it as much as we that can. That they be tolerant of you. How's that for saying? Mm-hmm. Be tolerant of others and, and they be tolerant of you. And uh, we'll get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and we can we'll even do happens. better than tolerant, I bet. We'll start with tolerant and move towards love. Yeah? Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> On that note, contact information, and let's uh, – uh, this has been a rather exhausting morning. <laughs> this has been half my time waiting oh. for the back up. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So let's, let's do it again. So back Monday, um, I think Heather Strickland's coming back, so we're going to have the, uh, uh, the, the Rebel Report right after you. So this could be mm-hmm. kind of cool. I'll talk to her and see for sure. But then we'll start the show an hour later. So it'll be Jonathan, you, uh, and uh, Heather uh, on Mondays, which will make for a really fun Monday. Okay. This yeah, sounds great. You. you don't have to change okay. anything. So contact and Well, it's uh, been a pleasure. Oh, yes. So yeah. I'm on Facebook, Dorothy Diana. There's a picture of me. You can find me there. And um, feel free to reach out with any questions. I teach privately. It's described there. Uh, I work with women, uplifting uh, getting rid of body shame, moving towards your best life, manifesting through somatic movement therapy. And uh, I'm always happy to hear. I work with men a little bit, mostly women. Well, you get men on this show. Lots Have you of- noticed that? <laughs> you get beyond you, <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, and uh, Patsy Don's still here, but uh, yeah, but uh, this is I this love is men. Like your, they just make me your, feel your shy. Macho when infusion. I'm, I feel shy to do my work with men. I feel much more comfortable with women, but but you know, I'm open. <laughs> Hang around us long enough, and uh, you never know. Maybe we'll maybe you'll have a uh, a macho dude component to your teaching. You never know. Mm, I love the macho dudes. All right, have a great week. It's a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Dorothy. Bye. And on that note. I've had enough of this week. <laughs> this is this has been a crazy day. So I apologize for the the power failures. I'm going to get a, one of those power supply things that uh, uh, will allow me to extend the show even longer. Um, but uh, this is it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Thursday. Uh, Thursday's packed. Let me get my calendar here. We got a lot of things going on uh, Thursday. Thursday we used to have the world's greatest doctors panel, and then they all left what, all at once. <laughs> it's a big void on Thursdays. We've got uh, Jason Myers, friend of mine, who owns uh, Stand Your Ground. Uh, that's the the commercial I play every day. Our, one of our new shooting ranges in town. He'll be doing a, a self defense report at seven o'clock. We've got uh, Dr. Deborah Viglione who was part of our World's Greatest Doctors panel, who also did the Freedom Rallies, the Freedom Medical Rallies here in Pensacola. She's at 8 o'clock. And at 9 o'clock, we have a new report, Diane Kane uh, Warner, excuse me, who's starting our election integrity report. So we're going to do worldwide election fraud. And we're going to specialize in that all the way through, I'm sure, the 2024 elections, and we'll go from there. Uh, any last comments? We've got um, Pianchi and then Pastor Don, and then uh, I'll just play a couple things and, and, and go. Pianchi, any last comments, sir? It's been an interesting day. I pass my time on to Pastor Don. Okay. Yeah, Pastor Don, we haven't even talked to you much. You've been, you've been listening patiently. How are you doing out there, dude? Going once, going twice. Pianchi, I think he's left us. <laughs> okay. Let me play a couple things. But, then, uh, did the uh, huh? idea of uh, people coming into the shops, the donut shop, the coffee shop, if they was open carrying, they would get free coffee, a cup, one cup of coffee or donut. How would they go over? I don't know. Where was that? I've forgotten that. I thought we talked about it here back during the time when uh, Jim used to come on on Friday. Remember? We probably did. And I'm not sure where that is, but I'm sure there are places that do that. I remember uh, we had a thing in California for a while where we had – we California allowed for open carry, but you couldn't have the gun loaded. So you had to have your gun on one side empty. And your magazine's on the other side, <laughs> you know, so you had to separate them. So you had to have actually load your magazine, rack a slide, uh, and I'm not sure. I guess they had speed loaders for revolvers. But for a while, they allowed open carry, and then they took that even that away. And because I used to belong to – I forgot what organization it was. But we'd go to Starbucks, and we'd go to – I remember we went to this pizza place in Walnut Creek. This is in the San Francisco Bay Area. And we drove around to different places. And, of course, it was all arranged ahead of time. And of course, the police were there to make sure our guns were unloaded. Some of those guys don't – they would like to handle our, our firearms. It's like, dude, let me show you. It's my gun, all right? I don't want police hands messing around with my gun, especially when they don't know what they're doing. Um, so that was a problem. But anyway, we, we, I remember this one pizza place in particular. Uh, there were about, I guess, 40 or 50 customers and about 40 or 50 armed, you know, open carriers. And we sit at their table and we talk to the customers and, and we're like, hey, yeah, we're, we're carrying got our magazine here. We got a gun here. And, this, and they're like, what do you think? It's like, well, it was interesting. I, most people are like, well, it's a little different. I mean, but I could get used to it. Wouldn't, it's not that big a deal. You know, you guys are on our side. I said, yeah, this is the safest pizza place in the Bay Area right now. Everybody here is armed. Yeah, you're right. So, and the pizza place got all kinds of extra business. So, armed carriers, openly carrying uh, people, uh, are actually good for business. That's what we found in in this one place in Walnut Creek. It's one of the best days at this pizza place. Starbucks, same thing. They had good days too. And then Starbucks banned it because they got all political on us and they wouldn't let us uh, exercise our rights, which we were perfectly allowed to do. And of course, but the not spend money there. 
Uh, I don't. Well, I do. I do sometimes, but not often. But uh, yeah, I didn't in California anymore. I mean, I didn't go. I didn't go back there as a paying customer. Absolutely not. I went to Pete's. Pete's Coffee. But you couldn't carry. Yeah, I haven't bought shale gas in decades because of their uh, issue with apartheid South Africa. So if you don't uh, don't do business with them, that's what you got to do. Exactly. Yeah, I did not uh, make the Shell connection. Shell, for those don't that uh, for those that don't know, the company is Royal Dutch Shell. It's the Dutch oil company. They uh, got they get their oil mostly from the formerly known as the Dutch East Indies. In other words, Indonesia, South Pacific. That's what uh, Japan uh, went after was the oil reserves in the South Pacific. That's what a lot of World War II was about. So, uh, but what's their history? In, oh, so the Dutch would have had the Boers in South Africa, right? And the Boer Wars with the British. Is that where it comes from? I don't do business with uh, enterprise leasing because they refuse to they stop accepting your lifetime NRA membership card as a discount for your leasing, and they have some bad words about Donald Trump. So I don't, I, I just don't spend money. Why would you support them? Yeah, we need to make a list of, of companies that uh, un-American, unprincipled, unconstitutional acting companies. And so we might, uh, yeah, feel free to report any company like that. You know, it's fair game that uh, that they be outed, as they say, that they be known. Uh, Bank of America is another one that uh, is a problem. And when UPS they uh, came down on Chick-fil-A, I went and bought a lot of chicken sandwiches, even though I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've been to Chick-fil-A, too. Yeah. If you, if you start from or Hobby Lobby, I'll take a model making again. Hey, let, me, let me go buy something here. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. So so the counter to to a leftist boycott is is to patronize them. Uh, so that's that's a good way to do it. Okay. Okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Jackie. Let's try this again uh, tomorrow. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.